Welcome to the Dead Format Addendum, Ian and Merritt edition. This is that hitter straight out of Acton. This is uh, 2015 coming at you right now. I've got uh, Leaving a Legacy Open winner, Merritt Almasri. Dude, why did I not check your pronunciation before we started recording? Uh, you did a good job there. Okay. Like some awesome. other people. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but... So, yeah, Merritt and I, we go back, man. We played at gaming etc back in like 2015 you played at jp comics too. Ian, no ian you're, you're getting alzheimer's <laughs> we played at pandemonium that, oh, the first shit. time we played was at pandemonium holy shit dude you're right yep i want to say it was 2013 we played standard more than once actually we faced off in standard yo i honestly forgot you were the same dude like i remember merit from pandemonium and i remember merit from acting but i forgot they're the same merit that's wild, bro. So you don't play any more standard, do you? No. So back then I only played standard, but then I found out that there are better formats out there. It's just—it's funny, though, because as far as Magic people, I, I kind of still keep up with these days. I think you're, you're probably one of the people who I've actually known the longest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that 2013 at Pandemonium, those were the first times I've played Magic in 15 years, so... Yeah, I remember you saying that, actually. So you, would, I guess you would be in the same category for me then, by default. You and Charlie, I remember from those days, and Keith Long. Yep, and uh, Grant Fishman. Yeah, oh yeah, Grant, too. Holy shit, yep. was he like 12 at that point? Yeah, he was a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild, man. Uh, another thing we share in common is uh, love for uh, unlimited duels. Yes, unlimited duels, I think they just look great. <laughs> so revised duels, they're just kind of... They have a kind of a bleached outlook to them, which doesn't look very nice to me. And also I find the text box is a bit cluttered with kind of... Because you know how they change the text box between Unlimited and Revised. Absolutely. So just Revised Duels, I think, just look a little worse. And at the time I, I bought my Unlimited Duels, there wasn't a huge price premium. So I thought I'd pay a little extra and get some what I thought were nicer looking duels. They have kind of a nicer, bolder color coloration and just that cleaner text box. I think looks a lot better. And honestly, I think they look better than FBB duels. Um, which oh, I know yeah. is an unpo- unpopular opinion, but I think you agree with me because mainly because of the text boxing again. They just, uh, FBB duels, sure, they're black bordered, but they've got the, the kind of cluttered text box, which I don't really like. So yeah, here I am. And now I have my, all my dual lands are unlimited. I'm <laughs> oh, sick, dude. I, I really hope Ryan Lesko, among others, listens to this episode. Oh, is he an unlimited? He's I feel, I feel like he's an FBB guy. He's an FBB guy all the way. Yeah, he's he's almost yeah. at forty right now. Yeah, most most people if are if they're not revised guys are FBB guys. So we unlimited folk need to stick together. Yeah, no doubt. And and it, they just look great on camera. That, that was so sweet watching them. Yeah, honestly, I, I I worry a lot of. I feel like a lot of legacy players might not even know the difference between revised and unlimited duels. Did you? They could be wrong. For the longest time, they didn't. Like, yeah, I remember Sean got a chop, and I got it's like, oh, it's a white border duel, like whatever. That's, yeah, that's... For, for revised prices because people just didn't know. Well, if you play old school, especially in Europe, you definitely know the difference. And oh yeah, that's what we can thank this this crazy price drop too, really. But enough yeah. with the uh, MTG finance. I know people are going to start to get pissed off. Hashtag MTG finance. So you're down in Florida. You're Florida man now, right? I'm now a Florida man. I have a Florida driver's license to prove it. Wow. So do you get an opportunity to play much legacy down there? 
So my local game store, Jacksonville Game Center, great store. So last year they started doing Eternal Weekend Trials. And they got between maybe 15 and 35 people, depending on... It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so and then Eternal Weekend happened, and then there was kind of a few months where there wasn't really any legacy events here. But then this year they started up the Eternal Weekend Trials again. We've had uh, two so far, and there's going to be a few more up until Eternal Weekend again. So basically there's kind of a once a month, there's kind of reliably a once a month legacy paper legacy event. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Here in Jacksonville. Um, it's honestly, it's not a lot less paper legacy than I, I'd like to play, but it's definitely better than nothing. Yeah, coming from Boston, you kind of got spoiled, right? Yeah, I mean, when I when I lived in Boston, I was probably playing on paper legacy two times a week on average between uh, JP Comics on Monday, Gaming Etc. on Tuesday, Pandemonium on Thursday, <laughs> J, um, Gaming Etc. on Friday, and that's E on Sunday. Yeah, dude. No, you were going there were no shortage that. of options. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was worried, honestly, when you went down to Jacksonville. Uh, unannounced, one day you were just, like, in this group chat, like, hey, guys, uh, see you later. I don't think I said that. <laughs> I, th- to me, that's how I perceived it. Yeah, it was, it was kind of sudden. It, it did kind of come up a little suddenly. So, yeah, I kind of disappeared. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm glad you didn't end up selling out. Like, I was afraid that we were going to lose you because uh, you're holding the, the torch right now for the plateau. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. I'm still still fighting with plateaus. Yes. So, how did you find yourself up and acting for this tournament? What was your uh, What was your week like? And then, what was your tournament like? So, the last Le- Leaving Legacy Open, I think it was in March or early April. Yep. I actually wanted to go to that, but I had traveled to a few events in the preceding weeks: GP Tampa and SEG Regionals, which are in Orlando. Okay. So. Having kind of been doing a decent amount of traveling that month, I kind of was didn't feel like traveling again. But in hindsight, I really should have prioritized going to the Leaving a Legacy event rather than going to those other two events. So it felt kind of bad afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to try and go to the next one for real. <laughs> Were they beat? What format was uh, GP Tampa? Tampa, the main event was Modern. I didn't play the main event because why would I want to play nine rounds of Modern? <laughs> <laughs> So I just played at Legacy Side Events the the whole weekend, and uh, I won a decent chunk of prize wall Monopoly money. Excellent. So uh, that was fun. Yeah, I played. I got to you know because there's a few different side events. I got to play a bunch of different decks, which was nice because I don't have the opportunity to play different decks that often because just aren't that many opportunities for Paper Legacy. So have you thought about playing online? I probably do a league, maybe one league a month. Oh, gotcha. Uh, and actually, I pretty much always stream them. Fuck, dude. I had no idea. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's like super, super casual, like super kind of spur of the moment thing. It's like, yeah, I'll do a league today, usually on a weekend. And it's like, what, what the heck? I'll stream it too. Yeah. Because just like kind of sitting, I don't know, it's a little kind of boring to just kind of sit there just doing moto things. I, yeah. I don't know. But I just, I like Paper Magic a lot more. Well, what's your Twitch stream name? Uh, it's Serifix with the, so that's S. Three R A P H I X. That's the handle I use for most of these kinds of things, like 
uh, Discord or the source or any of those things, that's my posting name. Sweet. All right. Yeah, we'll get that in the show notes. I always say that, but I actually don't even know if there are such things in the show notes. But Well, there can be. Yeah, we'll try to do something like that. That's awesome, man. I'm going to check that out sometime. Yeah, you know, I'd appreciate it. So your brother, when I got to this event... Oh, yeah. My brother was kind enough to drive. So I stayed. I So basically, I came up for the weekend mainly to play in the, the Leaving the Legacy Open, but it was also not a bad excuse to see some, you know, other like non-magic friends and see my brother. <laughs> so did he I have to hang out place. for twelve hours or whatever and happen? No, he actually was helping a friend move in Framingham. Okay. So he dropped me off in Acton, went off to this thing, and as it turned out, I got a ride back with Jerry. <laughs> oh, sweet! Instead of summoning my brother again. <laughs> oh, that's not bad at all, man. Yeah, so it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, so you want to hop into the uh, the tournament? Yeah, so I I decided to play Punishing Zoo, <laughs> mainly <laughs> because why? I hadn't played it in a little while. So the last time I played this deck was at SEG Syracuse, which was in February or March of this year. Yeah, March, I believe. Yeah, so I showed up to that event. Basically, like, the morning before the, like, well, the morning of the event, I just kind of, I would decide, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I just want to play Zoo, I don't, I don't really care. And I just, like, threw together this list that wasn't very good, to be honest. Um, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And uh, I ended up going 5-4, which isn't great. But, you know, I still had a good time, got to see a lot of the Northeast people again, so that was fun. And actually, I played Zoo, I played in one of the side events at Tampa, at GP Tampa. And I liked the feel of that list a lot. So that's kind of what I brought with, ended up bringing with me. I, I was thinking about playing Maverick, but I think my apprehension with Maverick was just kind of the quantities of Plague Engineer and Red and Six in the meta yep. seemed a little hostile towards a deck filled with one toughness creatures. So I think that was one of my motivations in deciding to play Zoo instead of Maverick. Gotcha. So do you feel like... Uh... Like Zoo is, is better positioned than Maverick right now for that reason that you stated, like the Run and Six effect? So I'm not... I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. So as it turned out, <laughs> I played against Plague Engineer and Ren and Six a few times. Not not that much, but a few times during this tournament. And they were still good against me. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like the card, those cards are still good. Just having Punishing Fire seems like a good against, against those two cards, Yes, it is good against those two cards. But I'm not sure... Honestly, I'm not really sure how I feel about Punishing Fire in general as a card now that Ren and Six exists. As a, that might sound a little weird, but... Ren and Six is kind of this... It's, this two, it's also this two-mana thing. It has the kind of repeatable removal part of Punishing Fire, and also has this other part where you pick up your lands from your graveyard, and also has a not-too-bad emblem. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. It kind, of, it kind of does a lot of things Punishing Fire does, and also does a lot of things decks playing Punish, Punishing Fire are interested in doing. So uh, honestly, over the last few weeks, I've kind of been thinking to myself, is Punishing Fire just an obsolete magic card now? <laughs> Dude, I've wondered that too. I mean, I, I couldn't, I haven't like come up with a, um, I mean, I've thought about it a little, but I haven't kind of substantiated the, those thoughts. So I've just kind of, I'm still playing Punishing Fire decks because I haven't really given a good thought as to what like a, a non-punishing fire deck would really would really look like i guess the card that worries me more than ren is dreadhold arcanist honestly yeah that's also that's a pesky a pesky new threat that is not killed by punishing fire which is not great 
Yeah, that's really tough. And it's not like you really have like a, a combination block that you can make on it. What do you mean by combination block? Something like, uh, I, I don't know what a good example would be, like a, a 1 3, like your own Dreadhorde Arcanist plus Punishing Fire to take out their Dreadhorde Sure. I mean, yeah, I guess like any 2 any 2 plus Punishing Fire would do the job. Right, true. Yeah, Punishing Fire. Is it's def- it's just it's definitely a card that's been it's been kind of getting steadily worse over the years. Like compared to say like 2012, compare punishing how good punishing fire was in say 2012 to today, like huge difference I think. <laughs> so and maybe Ren and Six is kind of maybe that's the nail in the coffin. But but that's not to say punishing fire doesn't have any advantages over Ren and Six. Obviously it does. I mean it, it's two damage not one first of all. And it's instant speed, which I think is pretty is pretty relevant. And it's arguably harder to interact with. Yeah, certainly in game ones. A lot of people are, are shaping their board now. We're seeing a lot more like Hydra Blast, like a lot a lot of different yeah. solutions to run. But it's like you can't really deal with you can't it's like your Thoughtseize or your counterspell aren't gonna really deal with punishing fire, but exactly. they're gonna deal with red and six. Yeah. But then again, there's also it's like, well, the waste wasteland can kind of break up the punishing fire by destroying Grove of the Burn Willow, so there's there's that. So I don't know. It's it's possible Ren and Six is just better, but I think there's still some advantages to playing Punishing Fire. So you wanna you wanna just run through your list real quick? Yeah. So I don't think it's been posted yet. I need to find it myself. Well, you know, I I just know it by heart, really. <laughs> so it's not hard. It's not hard. So it's four Noble Hierarch, four Wild in the Cattle, four Tarmogoyf, four Knight of the Reliquary, one Dryad Arbor, one Gaddic Teague, one. Kasali Pride Mage, one Scavenging Ooze. So those are the creatures. I think there are 20 creatures, I think. Yep. Then for non-creature spells, there's four Green Sun Zenith, four Source of Plowshares, four Lightning Bolt, four Punishing Fire, two Sylvan Library. Then for the mana base, four Windswept Teeth, four Wooded Foothills, two Savannah, two Taiga, two Plateau, one Forest, one Plains, three Grove of the Burn Willows, Two Wasteland, one Caracas. Nice. So 22 win in total? Yes. And no Ren and Six, huh? Uh, there's one on the sideboard. The sideboard had three Surgical Extraction, two Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, two Red Elemental Blast, two Knight of Autumn, one Ren and Six, one Garrick Relentless, one uh, Gaddic Teague, one Collector Oof, and is that 15 cards? <laughs> I wasn't counting, actually. I was thinking Ooh. about Domri. You know the Domri from War of the Spark? Yes. Have you considered that card at all? For Legacy? Yeah, for, for like this Zoom deck specifically. Uh, I guess I've, I've vaguely considered it, but not, not really. Okay. Um, so I think it's better than Domri Raid in Legacy. I can say that confidently. I think Domri Raid is actually better in Modern, but I think the new Domri is better in Legacy. It seems pretty sweet. Like it seems like a potential sideboard card for this kind of deck. It's kind of slow, obviously, but for those who don't know, it's one red green. It's static is that your creatures get plus one plus zero, so it can deal you know two three damage to turn and drop it, and then it has a plus to add a red or green to your mana pool and creature spells you cast can't be counted this turn, and the minus which you can only use one for that plus it is to put a plus one counter on a creature. Yeah, so it, it's got the the little mini anthem thing is kind of nice. 
the uh, making your creature spells uncounterable is, is pretty valuable in Legacy, I think. Especially with a threat like Knight of the Reliquary, which once it resolves, a lot of decks have a hard time removing it. And if they can't remove it, it can kind of end the game really quickly. So that seems like a powerful combination. And the added utility of being able to kind of use it as a pseudo removal spell with all the big creatures in your deck is also pretty nice. So Yeah, the way I envision it, like turn one, you stick a door, and then turn two, play a Domri into an uncountable wild Mikado. And now you're potentially Or sorry, it's three man Domri's three mana. Right. You can't on turn two you can just you just play the Domri. Turn three, then that, that's when you, you No no, so you, so you plus him to make a green or a red. Oh I'm sorry. Oh you're right, you make a green or red. You're right, yep. So you potentially have six power now on the board. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's a that's like a reasonably yeah, I wouldn't Powerful be shocked <laughs> if, if somebody was trying it out. I, I thought it, I thought that it was potential. My only issue with a card is it it doesn't actually produce card advantage unless you're I guess getting value out of the fight ability. Yeah, yeah, the fight is is pretty important for that. And the kinds of matchups you want this kind of card in this kind of fairly sticky non-creature permanent, you kind of want those cards to be producing card advantage, or like more reliable card advantage, like against a control deck for example. Like you're not going to be using the fight ability that much, it's not really giving you card advantage in those matchups, which I think is a bit of a, a knock against it. Uh, if, if your sideboard is really geared towards control, which you feel is probably your worst matchup, then I can see not getting spots there. Right, it's like, an if yeah, I kind of, there's, there's kind of other Planeswalkers I would play before that card, because generally I want, the, the matchups I want Planeswalkers in are the control matchups, and... I think the that that Domri card is probably best. It's probably its best against Delver decks. Yes, absolutely. But there's so much other stuff we have going on that's good against Delver already. That is kind of like, do we do we really need this? So what did you play? Did you play against Delver in the tournament? Aside from the final? Uh, actually, just as an aside, I forgot two cards in the sideboard. There are two chokes also. So I played against Eldrazi Post round one, then Blue Red Delver. Then another Eldrazi Post, then Blue White Delver, then Four Color Delver, then Miracles. That was the whole Swiss. Because I, I drew in round seven. So what was your loss? So my loss in the Swiss was the Four Color Delver, the same player who I played in the final, actually. Oh, okay. So I beat the Blue Red Delver deck and the Blue White Delver deck. Nice. And you beat Post twice. Do you, do you consider Post a good matchup? Um, well, the Post matchup is I find a little worrisome with Zoo, especially if I compare it to something like Maverick, because first of all, you only have two Wastelands. Yeah. <laughs> it's only two Wastelands in the deck. Well, you do is, have four Knights, though. You have four Knights, it's true, but you only have two Wastelands, which is one of the one of the consequences of playing putting Wild in the Cattle in your deck, is it actually, you kind of need to distort the mana base yeah. <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> make it a, make, reliably make it a 3-3 which is like really kind of depressing um, so as a result you have to play an 8th fetch land you have to play a 2nd plateau and you have to trim wastelands <laughs> <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm talking about this in comparison to say punishing maverick or like uh, I guess would be the closest comparison like that that mana base Yeah. Um, so yeah since Wild and the Cows are deck basically we're only playing 2 wastelands and obviously against Cloudpost decks, you want as many Wastelands as possible. But obviously you're right, you can find them with Knight. That's why we can get away with two Wastelands sometimes. So that that's one concern with this matchup. 
The other concern is this deck is just kind of a bit softer to Chalice on one than other than I guess I'll, I'm comparing it to Maverick. Um, it's definitely softer to Chalice on one than Maverick. You kind of you basically have I guess four more one mana spells or maybe more. Four, you have four to eight more one mana spells, at least four more one mana spells in your deck. Yeah. Um, that just kind of are potential bricks against the Chalice. So I was actually boarding out two wild in the cattles on the on the draw. I actually might have been doing it on the play also. Because your main board answer of Pride Mage, if you have to green sun for it, you're talking about potentially if they stick a chalice on the play and you can't get a dork down, you're talking about like a turn four, right? Because you have to have three mana yeah. and then activate it. So that's that's just too late against that, right? Yeah, an- another problem with, with the matchup is only I was only playing one Pride Mage this time, so Normally in Maverick, I play at least two Pride Mage main deck, or th- those are Pride Mage effects main deck. Um, so having only one of those is you kind of need to use it wisely. <laughs> Did you think about playing the Oof main deck? I don't think Oof is good enough to play main deck. I thought about it for Maverick, and I don't think it's good enough. I think the problem is it's just a two-two, and you can only play so many. Like Gattaca's already kind of. Well, Gattaca is a lot more versatile, so you can get away with him being a two-two. Um, Oof is is less versatile, uh, to the point that I don't think you can you can afford to play another kind of. Yeah, that was that was exactly the comp I was about to try to sell you. Is, is you're playing Gattaca, which is just a just a two-two right. in, in potentially dead, and it, it really depends on what you expect of the matter. Right? Yeah, there, there's. There, there actually aren't that matchups where Gattaca is a truly dead card, but yeah, it's it, there's definitely it's definitely a lot better in some than others. Like against any blue deck, for example, any fair blue deck, they right. have Force of Will in their deck. Like even even against a Delver deck, like yeah, it's, it, it gets Force of Will, which is a card that they board out against. You, right? And then actually, the fact that it's legendary can come up too because even if you're playing against like Death and Taxes, where T is kind of a brick, yeah. Um, obviously they can Caracas away your T, which is whatever but if they don't have that going on you can assemble like block with my t bounce it with my own caracas to like okay. get around a gta or something like that so there's like even even in that matchup where it's pretty bad like sometimes you actually aren't that unhappy to find it <laughs> like the the amount of harm it does to you though shutting off zeniths i would think oh that, that yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah i would think that it would probably would be you wouldn't want to draw against that taxes right you know, that no practice. no i yeah but there, there are spots where you kind of doesn't seem terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's not true. It, it's not good against ENT. That's like, that's like a very specific case, I guess. So I'm just going to skip to this because I, this is what I really wanted to know when I heard that you're playing this deck. Is, did you have a hex drinker in your deck? And the answer obviously is no. The answer is no. A big no. You don't like hex drinker? Is that what you're saying? Well, okay. It might, it might actually be a good card. I have never played with it. I think it's just it requires a bit too much of a mana investment to to kind of be useful. Yeah. Uh, in in Legacy, I think it's a bit hard to. It's going to be hard to kind of get away with this thing. That that's my gut. I could be wrong. I mean, it's definitely if, if you just if your opponent just you know kind of lets you get away with it, then it's a pretty powerful card. But even then, there's kind of even if you can make it Progenitus, I guess making it Progenitus is good. But just like making it the four four. There's a lot of things that still still beat it, like Council's Judgment, um, Liliana the Veil, Jace the Mind Sculptor, 
Yeah. Just true name nemesis just blocks it. Yeah. Um, Palace Jailer, like stuff like that. Um, Flicker Wisp would be pretty good against it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I definitely forgot about that. So, like, even if you make it a four-four, it's not really guaranteed to to kind of be this unkillable threat. And then uh, there's also just bigger creatures like Gurmag Angler, just bigger Baleful Strix. That card just exists. Yes. Happy to block. Mother of Runes, block it for days. So yeah, I don't think I, I'm really kind of skeptical, especially with Ren and all the things we've discussed so far. Plague Engineer. I'm really skeptical of playing something like Four Hex Drinker, but like as a one-off bullet for like a, a late game. Sort of like the Scooze plays. Yeah. Like, Scooze yep. plays more of a utility role. But mm-hmm. like just as like a, a potential one drop you could grab, and let's say that it's it's late and you have three or four mana, you can just sink in right away. It seems mm-hmm. like it could potentially hit the hardest, right? Especially if the very dead yeah. removed. No, with, with with Green Sun Zenith, you there's definitely the opportunity to just play one of them maybe or or two. Like you don't have to play four; you can just play one or two to tutor as needed. Yeah, it's something I've been thinking about, and I was just curious. So. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to get your take on it because you obviously have more matches pursued than anyone else I know. So, yeah, I probably played more Green Sun Zenith than you, also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I really love the card Green Sun Zenith. So much of my oh, yeah, process lately has been about Green Sun Zenith, but I haven't seen it out yet. So yeah, so uh, maybe this is a good opportunity just to to talk a little about kind of my history with um, with Magic, really. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah, I mean, this kind of ties in eventually. You'll you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing Magic, I guess, a long time ago. Or I guess it depends how you define playing Magic, really. Bro, but you're like I've 22 been... or something, right? I know. Well, I've, technically, I've like been around Magic cards since, I want to say, 2000 or 2001. Okay. Like, in one, in one way or another, like, you know, playing with my friends at recess. So, yeah, I can actually remember the first, the first booster pack I can remember opening... Was a plane shifts booster pack, and I still have the rare. Is it a meddling mage? Questing Feldegriff. Oh, nice. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I kind of after I was kind of playing Magic on and off, you know, in a very casual way for a long time, and then in, I guess as of now, I've been playing continuously since 2011. That's kind of when okay. I I got back into the game, and I kind of I'm, I'm still here, like. I've been playing regularly since, uh, I guess, like, middle of 2011. Is that, like, new Phyrexia? So, yeah, the first competitive format I played was Scars of Mirrodin in a Strat Standard. So, Green Sun Zenith, yeah. Actually, yeah, the first standard deck I played was a Birthing Pod deck. It didn't actually have Green Sun Zenith in it. It was, like, it was very... It wasn't, like a, a, like, a stock pod deck. It was kind of a... I don't really know what I'm doing, and these are the cards I have, but I like Birthing Pod. So, it, that kind of so thing. you're saying it wasn't a net deck? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I didn't really... I actually I actually looked at some lists online. Um, I forget where. Like, not, like... I think I'd look in those, like... You know those, like, tapped-out type websites? Yeah. Where, like, people just kind of post their deck. Like, I'd look at those. Like, I'd look at those Birthing Pod decks, not, like, the ones on MTG Top 8 or whatever. So <laughs> i just look at, like, the Birthing Pod decks from the, uh, the peanut gallery and <laughs> try and come up with a list like that. Um, so... Yeah, I didn't play Green Sun. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I would have recognized how mess of a card it was at the time. It was a while before... So I so I played Standard, only Standard, for a little while. 
as it was like 2013 when we first played, I was only playing standard. I started getting interested in Legacy, I guess. Yeah, in 2013 is when I started getting interested in Legacy. Like, I started watching the... Because I'd always watch the standard SEG Opens. Yeah. And then on Sunday, they'd have a Legacy Open. Yeah. And I usually just watch that, too. And I, I kind of didn't know what was going on, but I was like, eh, this is kind of cool. And um, I guess eventually I just... I think really what happened is I started getting into Modern. And... Don't feel bad. We all did around that time. Yeah, yeah. Because I just kind of wanted to, like, move on from standard. So I was, I was getting into Modern, and then the beginning of 2014, there was like a big spike in a lot of Modern card prices. Pro Tour, Born of the Gods. Yeah, yeah. Like around that, and like GP Richmond was kind of around the same time. Right. Like those two events, I forget which was first, but basically Modern cards got, most Modern cards got really expensive. And I, I was buying them because I was trying to like kind of get into the format. And I kind of realized, I think a lot of people realized, it's like, wait a minute, like... I'm buying these Misty Rainforests for close to $100. I could actually just buy Dual Lands for the same price. <laughs> yeah, what beat me up was Thoughtseize, man. Like, I bought two of those at, like, I don't know, 60 or something. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so, I'm with you on that trip. Basically, because I, I kind of always imagined Legacy was kind of this unattainable format, like, you know, at the top of the hill, like, but <laughs> after those the, the modern prices started going up, it kind of turned out that it kind of I kind of realized it's actually a lot more accessible than I, I think it is. Yeah. And I was definitely interested in the format, so I was like, well, I guess I'm getting to Legacy now also. <laughs> so I guess I knew I wanted to play Noble Hierarch. Um, that That's my favorite magic card. So you weren't playing when Noble Hierarch came out, so no, did you not. see it in the case? I'd seen it. Like I knew the card existed, actually. Like I remember at some point... I don't know when this was, 2010 or 2011 maybe, I I was like, this card looks... I, I looked at the price of it, and it was maybe like 10 or $15, and I fell out of my chair, because at the time I was still like not used to spending that kind of money on cards. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so I, it's an awesome card. So, so I, the... I had been playing... A, the first modern deck I played like in a, a modern event was green white hate bears yeah i don't know if you i don't know if you're familiar with that deck oh yeah of course so in at i think it was worlds in 2013 brian kibler played this this green white hate bears deck that was just like four voice resurgence four lockstone smiter four wilt leaf liege four noble yep. hierarch and i was like i have to build this <laughs> <laughs> so um i already had noble hierarchs and that was one of the more expensive cards that was needed for actually the maverick deck well I guess at the time, I guess Wastelands were expensive back then. They were like yeah. 100 bucks. Caracas was like 150 bucks. Windswept Heaths were like 50 or 60 bucks. So I guess it was actually, it's probably, it was probably, might have been more expensive then than it is now. <laughs> I, got in, anyway. I got in coming off a 15 year break and I still have my Wastelands. Oh, and that's I, good for you. I remember trading them in to Pandemonium for a, a standard deck, basically, <laughs> trading in three Wastelands. And sure. I just threw in three noble hierarchs because i saw them in the case and i was like holy shit look at that but it's incredible. that's incredible i know it's it's so good it's like it's this mana dork that like isn't that bad of a top deck and also yeah. attacks as a one two and yeah it's such such a good card i was so glad to have them i played in fact in in legacy and in vintage i guess and i played uh maverick and bant deck so I, i've made plenty of use of my nobles 
Suns. I'd say it's probably the card I've saved up the most. So. Yeah. I, I think I've cast Green Suns Zenith more than Noble Hierarch, but it's a close one, actually. That, that might not be true, because I've played Hierarch in, in a lot of modern decks also. So could they have cast more Hierarchs than, than really any other card at this point? Um, so yeah, so so Maverick was the first, Green-White Maverick was the first Legacy deck I, I built. I finished it in, I guess, middle of 2014, and that's kind of how... So yeah, I'm actually relatively new to Legacy. Um, yeah, this is crazy, man. See, I, when I saw you at Game Etc., I thought that you were like an Elder Statesman because I was just getting nope. into Legacy. I'm <laughs> by no means elder statesman, and in fact, like the first six months or so, I played Legacy. Like, oh my god, I lost so much. <laughs> like, my win rate was probably like ten percent. I'm not kidding. Like, playing at um, I mostly played at JP Comics at the time, and I just at week in week out, my ass was getting beat. Like, I, I just I just knew nothing. Like, I, I wasn't like that good of a Magic player. Like, coming into it, like I wasn't even that that good of a standard or modern player. But like, I just was getting beat beat so bad like i didn't know how my deck worked i didn't know how other decks worked it was just kind of this but dude you've had some results like for just playing well for yeah a, i mean it took it took years. a while to turn it around i mean i i have played a lot i mean i start, i was playing a lot of legacy and eventually you know you just kind of you kind of learn things eventually i guess like i was playing a lot and i slowly but surely i kind of figured out how how my deck worked, how maverick worked i figured out how other decks worked and how to play against them 2015 is when I, I felt I kind of first started doing better at events, but it actually wasn't with Maverick. I had a I had an aggro loam and a punishing Jund phase at the by the end of 2014. Like I was still losing a lot with Maverick, and I was kind of like thinking, well, maybe this isn't actually the deck I want to be playing. So I should try I should try some other decks. So I kind of got into the, the Jund and aggro loam decks, and I, I played those for most of 2015. And I did a few. I got a few okay results with. Was actually with Jund, really. Like, I won my first, like, dual land at an event playing Jund. Oh, sweet. Yeah, in 20... It was actually end of 2015. So it took a while for me to, like, actually... I think that was the first, like, significant event I, I did somewhat well in. There, That was the um, Eternal Extravaganza. I want to say the second or third one they had. There were, like, 300 players there. And I got... I made top 16, which was good enough for a Tundra. Sweet. Um... But I guess what ended up happening by the I guess by the end of 2015 I was kind of <laughs> fed up with Agrolom and Jund decks, and I just wanted to play Maverick again. I don't know why. Um, I think I just missed playing casting Greenson Zenith and Noble Hierarch. Like like that's just <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> so in a roundabout way, this is really kind of what I was trying to get at. I guess I kind of went in a few tangents there, but I I think what got me interested in Maverick again was just being able to play four Greenson Zenith in my deck. Because that card, it, it's it's honest, it's honestly it's like there's a lot of powerful cards in Legacy, so Green Sun Zenith kind of flies under the radar. But it, it's a totally messed up card. Oh, dude, it's like it's brainstorm for green, right? Pretty much, it's just like the consistency it adds to your deck, and the ability to tutor for like specific creatures. Like it's just a turn one, it's your mana dork, and turn eight, it's just the best creature in your deck. Like the card, it just the card just does so much. And I think part of my problem with kind of the Jund and Agrolome decks was just the consistency wasn't... To me, the consistency didn't feel like it was quite there compared to Maverick, because that's what I've been playing before. Yeah. And I'm kind of... When it comes to Magic, I'm kind of more of a... I kind of prefer consistency over power. I think that's like a trade-off I'm generally willing to make. So I think the Loam and Jund deck were probably more powerful than Maverick, but I felt Maverick had a consistency edge, and I, I valued that more. 
So I kind of got back into Maverick in a big way. And I've, yeah, since then, pretty much, Maverick's really been my, I've considered it my main deck. Uh, yeah, I would definitely consider Maverick a lower floor, higher ceiling deck than either of those two. Because you can you can just not draw people that way. You can have these amazing Exactly, draws. and also, another one of my problems with Jun is it never felt like I was, I was kind of outplaying my opponents. Like, it was kind of just like I played my cards and they were good. It's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I hate to... I hope that doesn't sound bad to, to other Jun players, but that's the feeling that that gave me. Maybe I wasn't really playing it. Maybe I wasn't approaching it the right way, but I, I find that I find it more rewarding to win playing Maverick. Yeah, I think that a lot of the uh, the scale or whatever with regard to Jund is just in your deck building, and then you just sort of draw the cards in play. Yeah, yeah, that could be. But even the deck building, like the like the punishing Jund deck from that era, like there there kind of weren't many flex slots. Like the deck kind of was the deck. Honestly, yeah, that's like, true. That is like true. it was like your four Deathrite, four Bob, four Tarmogoyf, three Bloodbraid Elf, four Liliana the Veil, like four Thoughtseize, four, um, yeah. four Abrupt Decay, between three and four Him, between, I don't know, two and three Bolt, between, I guess, three and four Punishing Fire. There's like three or four Flex Loss, and they're just like between like this one mana removal spell, or this one mana discard spell, or this like two mana like interaction spell. Like it was just kind of. It was kind of a wash. Like whether you're playing three him or four him or three punching fire or four punching fire is kind of just um, a wash. And then your sideboard because you just don't have card selection. <laughs> you're just heavily incentivized to play three and four of pretty much everything. So honestly, the at the at the same time, like the it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. Kind of comforting that the deck didn't actually have that much flex slots. Like you never were feeling like oh man, my list like. I need to tune this list like so much. Like like yeah. with Maverick, you're kind of always feeling like you need to make these little tweaks because there's yeah. like it kind of there's just so many options open to you, um, which is kind of I guess makes the deck more interesting, but also more challenging than a deck like like that Jun deck, where it's kind of like everything was kind of like these are the good cards that like, you kind of have to play them and like play a lot of them. Yeah, I feel you for sure, and I think that Jun now is a lot more customizable. Like we're seeing. With yes. Red and Six, with even stuff like uh, like Bob's been caught now in some of the most recent lists I've seen. But they have now uh, Assassin's Trophy is available as like a more versatile removal spell. Mm -hmm. And then Colgan's Command now, that's now yeah, a card. Colgan's Command, Rabble Master is, is a tool that you can actually have access to. Grim Lava Mancer. Yeah. So it's really sort of opened up a little where I think that there are some interesting deck building questions there, but it's still not approaching a, a two deck building. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this week, am I going to play the one, I don't know, maybe this is a week to play the Collector Oof main. I mean, who knows? Or do I play a Tireless Tracker main? Do I play a Knight of Autumn main? Or do I play two Pride Mage main? Or do I play one Birds of Paradise main instead of four Hierarch? There's just all these kind of endless questions. Like, like my Maverick like chat group on Facebook, like, these things are just debated ad nauseum. <laughs> there's just no answer. Like... And then there's the whole Stoneforge equipment pack. Oh, yeah, aspect. exactly. It's like, oh, two Stoneforge or three Stoneforge or two equipment or three equipment. Do you play Batterskull or not play Batterskull? Which sword is the best sword? Is Sword of Light and Shadow better than Sword of War and Peace? Blah, 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 blah. And then there's the, the land tutor package with yes. the reliquary. Right, so exactly. It's like, so, yeah, there's just, there's many, yeah, exactly. There's many, a lot of customization available. Particularly when you have Sylvan Library active, like, you can play turns. Yes infinite yes. like there seems like there's infinite options available and the only times i've, I've timed out the most i've ever timed out is when i was playing 
for my world dreams matter because there's so much tutoring so many decisions to make and you cannot yes exactly and especially in Modo, you kind of realize how much, how many like mechanical operations are involved in playing Maverick because of how yes. many clicks you have to make. Like resolving greens and zenith in Modo takes way longer than it should. But I guess it takes a long time in real life too because you have to shuffle twice. Right. Another thing that makes the card poorly designed, if you ask me. <laughs> so people right now are probably assuming that you just don't like playing So that's actually not true at all. Actually, I really like, I love Brainstorm. I love Jace the Mind Sculptor. I love Snapcaster Mage. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I kind of. By the end of 2015, I was kind of like ready to kind of do do different things um, from kind of the John Agrilum stuff. So the other thing I, I did at that time is I started buying blue dual lands, and I started getting into the, to blue decks basically. And by blue decks, I really mean Stoneblade because that's that's yeah. the blue deck for me. I've at various points I've owned blue decks that aren't Stoneblade, but <laughs> I don't think I've ever played them. Interesting. I didn't even know you owned them. Yep, like I, I own Grixis Delver, like the the Deathrite Grixis Delver deck. I owned that deck at one point, never played it. Okay. I own Canadian Threshold at one point, never played it. Um, because it's like if I'm gonna sleeve up Brainstorm, it's gotta be the Stoneforge Mystic, you know? I just I can't get enough of that. So yeah, I, I do enjoy again, like a big thing I, I like in kind of magic in general is just having a nice consistent deck and there's nothing better for consistency than Brainstorm and Ponder in Legacy, really. Amen. And then pair those with some nice white cards and got an awesome deck. I mean... Yeah, no doubt, man. So that, I guess, brings us to uh, this, this top eight of this tournament. Right. So first round of top eight was against Manless Dredge. Open deck list, so I knew what was up. They had the higher seats. They got to choose to be on the draw as they like to be. But I just, I just mulligans a bad seven card hand, and my six card hand had a noble hierarch, a scavenging ooze, and lands, and nice. I could not keep it faster. And it turned out that their their draw that game just wasn't particularly fast, so the turn two ooze just got there. And then game two, tossed a crappy seven, drew a six, it had a surgical, snapped it off. <laughs> oh, and they they mulliganed that game. Not only did they mulligan. They, it turned out their only dredger was a shambling shell, which is the honorary dredger, as we, we call it. Yeah. But the, the, the interesting thing is, at, having looked at their deck list, they, I saw they had four shambling shell, and I was like, who the fuck would play four shambling shell in their dredger deck? It's like the shittiest dredger. And it turns out, I think I found out the answer. I didn't ask them, but they had four force of vigor in their sideboard. Yeah. And they actually counted the green cards. And even if you added the four Force of Vigor, their green card count was like 14. Like, it wasn't high. Yeah, with Hogak and Shambling Shell, you can get up to like 14. Right. They, it turns out you need to play the, the worst dredger in order to play Force of Vigor. Yeah, it's kind of nice. You know, it, it hitches to Icarid. It does what you need it to do. Right. So, um, yeah, they mulligan, which is you never want to be doing with Manalist Dredge. I assume they're for, I don't know, I don't know why they mulliganed. No dredger, right? No dredger, I guess... That's yeah, that's possible. It's highly unlikely, but if they're bringing in like the Force of Vigors, they're they're diluting. They're probably bringing those in. They're bringing in. They had a Contagion. They 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 brought that in. I'm sure. So yeah, between the Mulligan and their their only Dredger being Shamlin Shell, they're they were just on a super slow hand. And I surgical the first you know creature that tried to enter the battlefield, 
Um, and then I, I had no more interaction, but I just would start playing the cattles and goifs, and I just I just beat them senseless before they could kind of get anything else going. So I, yeah, I won that one two zero, which honestly I, I was really worried about that matchup. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, I did put three stars with my deck. I guess kind of with reanimator in mind. And uh, yeah, I ended up playing against a graveyard deck, and it kind of worked out, so that was good. So then the next round was against a super interesting deck. I think you'd like this deck. It was kind of this rug deck. Like, it wasn't Canadian Threshold. Four Delver Secrets, four Noble Hierarch, four True Name Nemesis, a number of Dreadhorde Arcanists. Those were the threats. Yeah, dude. I I want to play that deck. I spent a lot of time talking with... uh, my friend Tom about this deck too. Yes, I'm. I'm sure. And like the problem is, I just don't want to be playing Noble and Delver against Rend right now. I, I just thought it was a bad time. We, we play Engineering Rend. Really. I, I just thought because I had played Noble Rook prior to uh, back in like March, up until March, I would say I played it a lot, mm-hmm. and it just felt like not the right time. Yeah, that could be. I mean, it's still it's still like uh, I guess a pretty. I mean, they're definitely in the experimentation stages of things. So who was who was playing this deck? I, I didn't realize someone played it. Was it Josh Santos? Yes. Okay. Of the, of the Saddleback, the esteemed Saddleback La Humans. Yes. Oh, that's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that deck did well. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if you looked at the SCG results from over this weekend, but, well, for first, Josh Santos, or what was his first name again? Josh, yeah. Josh Santo. He told me that I I asked him. I was like, this deck because I was looking at his deck. I said, this looks really cool. Like, is this your brew? He's like, no. I um Joe Horden sent it to me. Okay. I don't know if you know Joe Horden. He's kind of a only by name. Yeah, New England kind of magic player, I guess. And he actually top aided the open, the team open with uh, this deck. Actually, not the same deck. He was actually playing Tarmogoyf instead of Dreadhorde Arcanist, but still had the four Delver, four Hierarch, four True Name. Few red cards, yeah. So he he had a good weekend with that deck, and well, Josh made it to the top eight with it of the this event too. So I, I'd say it's got legs, um, based on that. That's awesome. So I did beat Josh two zero. Game one, he just flooded pretty hard. Game two was a real uh, interesting one. <laughs> so I had a turn one zenith. I I was in the draw. He was like land, maybe cast a. I think he's just land go. I go Zenith for Dryad. I guess he just passed at that point. So then I have a Wasteland. I'm like, sweet. Missed the land drop. Time to Wasteland him. I First I cast something. I think I Zenith. I might have Zenith for one because I didn't have another threat. And I got Spell Snared. And I was like, whatever. Wasteland you. Then it turned out they had no more, they had no more lands. <laughs> but the problem was I my hand was all lands except for a Punishing Fire. So I just was started attacking with Dryad Arbor. And I, I attempted to lob Punishing Fires at him, and I had a Grove too. But then my my fires got surgicaled, so I just I I had nothing. Like it was that it was pretty pretty comical for a few turns. Like he was just drawing nothing. He was just like draw go draw go, and I was just like land go land land attack with Arbor go land attack with Arbor go. Like it was pretty pitiful, and I knew that like his hand must have been pretty good um, because he kept the seven in a in a real jiffy. So I knew if he ever found lands, I was probably in a world of hurt because I, I had nothing honestly yeah but i i actually i found the second wasteland during this uh this back and forth and i stupidly put it into play Oof. uh i didn't get punished but oh, yeah that, that was not that was not smart of me and they eventually found another land they found a fetch land so they had a kind of 
chance to find a window to set something up, but they couldn't really still couldn't really get it going. At some point, they had to they had to cast a spell. I think that's they had to counter like they had to spell snare a Tarmogoyf or something, and then he got wastelanded. And I think he might have found one more land or two more lands, but he it just wasn't enough to because he he's been taking a lot of hits, and I also drew two bolts, so um, yeah, I was able to kind of finish him off before he got off the ground. I was really sweating that one though because. Like, I thought I was going to lose that one. I just kept drawing land after land after land. Yeah, I can't imagine the four Tarmogoyf deck would be a great matchup for you, you know? Well, his list didn't have any Tarmogoyfs. Or, I'm sorry, I meant, I meant to say yeah, true. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yep, he didn't find a true name in either game. Just didn't find... I, I, I was really worried about this matchup because, like, especially on the draw, like, him going turn one Hierarch, turn two true name, like, I don't think I can beat that. Just, right. that's, that's really hard. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow I got out of that one alive. That was a semi. Then in the final, so game one, my opponent kept a kind of suspect hand, honestly. They, they said afterwards they didn't think it was that good, but they kept it. And they just couldn't really, they had like one threat, which I killed. And then I had a few threats they just couldn't really answer. They like kept drawing Force of Wills, like after the fact. <laughs> yeah. um, so they lost that game pretty handily. And then kind of the, uh, the incident happened. Yeah, so whereas, what happened? Yeah, so... This was the same four-color Delver player I played against in the Swiss. And in the Swiss, they pummeled me. I lost 0-2 to True Name Nemesis both games. So I really wanted to... When I was sideboarding for game two, I wanted to just check, see how many True Names are in their deck. Like, was it two or three or four or one? No, yeah. actually, they showed me two. They showed me two, um, one of the games earlier. So I knew there was at least two in the 75. So I'm scanning the deck list, trying to find True Names, and uh, they they weren't there. <laughs> Okay, so you, you're the one who noticed this? It wasn't like carryover from the previous round or something? No. So there were supposed to be two in his main deck. It turned out he only had 58 cards in his main deck. And the the thing is, before the top eight, the judges hadn't actually checked everybody's 75 of their deck list. They only checked the sideboards. Ooh. So they just, they, just, they just missed it. <laughs> wow. So at that point, it, it became known to the judge and... Uh, he had to give my opponent a game loss, unfortunately, um, for a decklist error. So that was kind of that was kind of that. And then yeah, we did. We were both kind of tired, and I don't know. We just like whatever. We'll just keep playing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, we decided to keep playing. And then embarrassingly enough, I lost the next two games. <laughs> so um, yeah, kind of an unfortunate end for, for my opponent there. He's a, a real nice guy. I don't think there was any malicious intent. Um, I think it was just an honest mistake. Yeah, it sounds like it. And we, we did split. We agreed to a prize split before we started playing our games. So, oh, okay. Um, Good. But yeah, no, that that's awesome, man. I, I'm really glad that you won. I, I like, uh, throughout your story, the inclination. I don't know if it's like a, like a bias that you're aware of or whatever, but you seem to want to do things your way. Like with, with regard to building legacy decks and which decks you want to play, which cards you want to play, and I yeah. think I think that the listeners uh, of the podcast, I put it out for some questions, and I got a bunch back, and I think I think that that's because you kind of represent this uh, sort of go in your own direction way yeah. of legacy, which which I really appreciate. Yeah, no, I I mean I can't <laughs> disagree with what you're saying. I, I do kind of, there's just kind of things I like doing and I just kind of do them. I'm not, I mean, I do care about winning, but I'm not 
like I'm never gonna choose like the the best deck over kind of the deck I like. Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously the best the best thing for me is to do both is to play the, the the stuff I like and to win. And I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to do that basically in my during my Magic career. I've had reasonably good results overall. I think um, playing the stuff I like. And yeah, that that's a great thing, um, and I I can see why that would appeal to other players. And I guess the the reason I've been able to do that is because it. I think the reason is because I, I like what I'm playing. You know. Yeah. Um. I think that kind of that kind of keeps you in it and uh keeps you at it. I guess I kind of figured out how these decks work. <laughs> <laughs> um. These uh, green sun zenith uh, punishing fire swords of flash airs decks. <laughs> that's just uh, my calling in life. You want to get into some of these questions from the listeners? Yeah, let's have a look. All right, so Sugi, first first responder. All right, so these listeners, they really got some value. I asked for questions, and there are seven question marks in this question from Sugi. <laughs> what does Punishing Zoo bring that, say, Maverick doesn't, and is it well-positioned? I've heard the term Punishing Maverick and Punishing Zoo used are they the same deck, and as a lands player, how do I do? So, yeah, this, the second part of the question is kind of what I want to address first. Lots of players have kind of had this confusion in their mind as to <laughs> what the different Punishing Fire mid-rangey decks in Legacy are. I, I've just found that over the years of playing these kinds of decks. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion between Zoo, Maverick, and Agrolome is what I found. Like, people will call Agrolome Punishing Maverick. They'll call it Punishing Maverick Agrolome. They'll see my Zoo deck and call it Maverick. They'll see Punishing Maverick and call it Zoo. Tons of confusion about, you know, what, what the classification of these decks. And I understand most players, most legacy players aren't, you know, in as into these kinds of decks as I am. So they kind of look at some superficial things like, oh, neither well Prairie Punishing Fire, like it's, you know, something like that. But I, I'm just a pedantic person in general. So <laughs> I, I can really break down the differences here, I think, uh, having played a lot of all of these decks. <laughs> so in my book, what defines... A Maverick deck, forget Punishing for now. The three cards that define a Maverick deck are Mother of Runes, Green Sun Zenith, and Knight of the Reliquary. If those three cards are in your deck, um, I would call your deck a Maverick deck. Mother of Runes, huh? Yes, Mother of Runes is crucial to my classification of Maverick. Okay. And then if you're playing Punishing Fire in, your, in that deck with those other cards, it's a Punishing Maverick deck. So the point at which it becomes Zoo in my book is... Really, really, it's uh, you're not playing Mother of Runes. Like, if you're playing Mother of Runes, you're not playing a Zoo deck. Yeah. It's this one's a little hard to pin down because there are there's definitely different. I think there's more variety, potentially more variety in Zoo decks than there is in Maverick decks. Really? Well, I mean, Zoo isn't isn't played much anymore. But like back when Zoo was popular in like twenty, I don't know, let's say between twenty twenty ten and twenty twelve. Yeah. You'd find a, like there's just a, a lot of different lists. It's like. Some lists would have Curd Ape, some lists wouldn't. Some lists would have Neither Reliquary, some lists wouldn't. Some lists would have Goblin Guy, some lists wouldn't. Like, some lists would have Fire Blast, like Price of Progress, they'd have those. Some would have, I don't know, Lightning Helix, some would have Main Deck Gattactique, some would have Main Deck Sylvan Library. Like, there, there's actually, like, a lot of variety in, in, in Zoo lists. There's kind of, I guess you could kind of maybe break them down to kind of Small Zoo and Big Zoo. Like, that's kind of an easy distinction to make. Like the list I'm playing and the only list I played is, is Big Zoo, which is you're you're playing the Green Sun Zeniths and the Knight of the Reliquaries. Like, but really, I think when it comes to saying as defining a Zoo deck, outside of like probably Wild in the Cattle and Lightning Bolt, 
I don't think all zoo decks have other things in common, really. Like, I feel like Bolt, Bolt and the Cattle are kind of really the, the defining things of a zoo deck. But, well, and four Tarmogoyf, but I guess you could say that's, uh, that can be shared No, with you actually, no, that's not true, because, so the, the big zoo deck, which is what I play, actually doesn't always play four Tarmogoyf, at least historically speaking. The, so the last time Zoo top eight an SCG Open, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, it was no. in end, end of 2013. It was before True Name Nemesis got printed. Okay. Um, Sean Yu, a Seattle player, yeah. top aided SCG Seattle, a few hundred players playing Punishing Big Zoo, and he had zero Charm away from this deck. Okay. Um, and his list is actually, that's the list that got me interested in this archetype, the zoo archetype in, in Legacy. And uh, that's really his list is what I kind of basically build off because that, that's kind of the last example of a uh a zoo deck doing or at least it was as of the time i was i was getting interested in this deck um so and whenever i, I play this deck i always put sean Yu as a deck designer because wow gotta give credit where it's due <laughs> but he wasn't he wasn't the inventor of the, the big zoo deck either i mean people played it before him yeah um for you know in 20 between i guess 2011 or 2010 maybe is when it first i guess 2010 oh no greensland came out in 2011 Right? No, Green Sun. Yeah, yeah. twenty eleven. Green Sun came, came out twenty eleven, but I think that there were well, just Punishing like... Fire existed before Green Sun. So actually, in twenty ten, there were big zoo decks with Punishing Fire Knight right. and um, that and that didn't they didn't have Green Sun. Um, yeah, Brian Kibler actually won. I guess that was extended though. That wasn't Legacy. That Pro Tory won in uh, with the like the the next level zoo deck with four Punishing Fire, four Knight, four Bane Slayer Angel. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I man. wish I could. I wish I could play that now, but. I don't think that will fly in Legacy. No. Um, That's hilarious. I didn't know about that. Yeah. One of the Pro Tours Brian Kibler won. <laughs> so where is this coming from? Oh, yeah. So Punishing Fire, I think, is inherently big zoo because Punishing Fire is kind of like putting pu- pushing you in kind of a grindier direction, kind of slower grindier direction. Yeah. So I think if you're playing Punishing Fire, also it means you're playing Night of the Reliquary probably and Source of Plowshares. Like these cards kind of naturally push you in kind of a slower direction. So I'd say um, all Punishing Zoo decks are big zoo decks. You could, I guess, build a big zoo deck that's not a Punishing Zoo deck, but I don't know why you'd want to do that. So yeah, I guess that's that's some semantics right there about the difference between Maverick and Zoo. So yeah, they're not the same deck. Um, They might appear to be the same deck, and they do share a lot of cards. Like the Punishing Zoo deck in the past, you'll find deck lists of of it online. They're called Zooverick, because it's kind of this like Maverick-Zoo hybrid almost. It's fucking awful, man. Yeah. Um, despite their, they do have a decent amount of overlap. They're they're still strategically very different decks in the way they function. So, I guess that that kind of ties into the first question, which is, what does Punishing Zoo bring that say Maverick doesn't? So, Punishing Zoo, you just kind of it's more of kind of a a good stuff deck. Like a lot of your cards are just kind of do the same thing and are a bit kind of interchangeable. And your a lot of your cards are just kind of better, just kind of good by themselves. Like Wild and the Cattle is just this one mana three three. You know, it's not yeah. really it's making some demands of your mana base, but it's just kind of this this creature. And it's like in Tarmogoyf, which again you don't have to play, but just a you know efficient creature. Most of your removal spells are just efficient removal spells. Some of them go upstairs. All your card, your like o- overall, like your your card quality is pretty homogeneous. I mean, with the Green Sun list, there, there, there are some exceptions. Like, you're playing a Gaddick Teague in your main deck, um, which gives you a lot of game in some matchups. But 
that's not that card is a bit you know it's it's sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad and you could say a bit of the same for like kasali pride mage and scavenging ooze and those kinds of toolboxy creatures but even those creatures by and large are are serviceable in pretty much any matchup so i guess zoo has kind of yeah kind of has less moving parts like kind of it's kind of more streamlined more uh, straightforward honestly than a maverick deck like in terms of play it's kind of like I want to put some creatures into play. I want to start attacking. I want to remove my opponent's blockers. Like, like often you're going to be using your green suns to get more Nicaddle, like another Nicaddle or another Tarmogoyf. Like, you just want another thing in play that attacks. Um, you don't really care what its text box is. It's just, like, a reasonably efficient creature. And even then, you know, we're in 2019 now, and, like, this strategy still works by and large. Like, Nicaddle... People make fun of wild Nicaddle. <laughs> but, like, a 1-mana 3-3 is, is nothing to sneeze at, honestly, in Legacy. Like, it's bigger than a lot of creatures in the format and it you know comes down in turn one and starts attacking in turn two and it's it's something a lot of decks they kind of have to answer and you know it's actually it's possible to be to beat delver decks without drawing interaction just by racing them but just yeah, by playing it's a them always flips, right? right like so i mean while the cattle it, it does it does work in its own way and once you like kind of get even if you get like say you know you you get you get in the first few hits then your opponent starts putting stuff into play and the you know your account can't beat that's when you just start going upstairs your bolts and your you know recurring punishing fires like that's one of the appeals of the zoo deck the big zoo deck to me is um you kind of have these late game options like you got sylvan library punishing fire to like in the event that the game grinds down a little you've got those tools and then, as I mentioned earlier, the Green Sun package just adds kind of a dimension of interaction to the deck that allows you to kind of deal with some strategies, especially in game one. Like having access to Teague and Ooze and Pride Mage is pretty invaluable against a lot of decks. So, like, it, it kind of being a bigger zoo deck, it gives you a bit more game against grindy decks compared to small zoo decks. And it kind of, I think it's debatable as to whether it gives you more game against combo than fast zoo. Because the thing with fast zoo is, or small zoo, I should say, is even though you usually you don't have main deck ways of interacting with combo, you just can kill the opponent dead. Just like, I mean, depending on how your, your list is built, you can kill them pretty fast. Like, you don't have to interact with a combo deck, you just kill them first. Yeah, that's the distinction I would think that you want to make is, you know, you're not a mother of runes deck, so you can, your your critical, your your goldfish turn is probably like two turns quicker, right? Yeah, so Maverick is, yeah, Maverick is just a way slower deck in general. Like, Maverick does not win quickly. It kind of just wants to kind of lock the opponent out of the game with an overwhelming board presence is, is really what Maverick, is really the goal of Maverick in, in my book. Ba- basically, you want, like, the, the ideal uh, winning state for Maverick is... You have a bunch of stuff in play that's annoying your opponent to the point that they basically can't cast any spells or take any meaningful game actions, and they die with a bunch of cards in hand. Like, that's kind of the, the goal of Maverick. I think people often characterize Maverick as a grindy deck, which it's true that Maverick is capable of grinding with, with stuff like it's got Sylvan Library, Stoneforge Mystic, Night of the Reliquary, and Mother Rune is also very good in grindy matchups. But the goal of Maverick isn't actually to, to grind. It's really to kind of put the opponent in the dirt <laughs> yeah um so wait this little zoo deck that you're talking about the fast zoo deck yeah. is that does that have thalia so after thalia got printed like by the time thalia got printed that kind of deck had had dropped a lot in popularity but yeah i think you you'd you'd see it in the main deck sometimes maybe and okay. probably in the sideboard too sometimes 
Um, I'm not, I'm not actually sure, but I I think like if I were to play a small zoo deck today, I would definitely play Thalia in the seventy five. I'd probably yeah. play in the main deck. I think so because you just have more creatures, right? Yeah, like but then there's a bit a bit of a tension between like I've got all these burn spells also because I want to I want to kill them dead. Right. Um. Then Thalia, you know, impedes those a little, but it, it's probably worth it if you're just putting a Thalia into play. You know, in game one against a storm deck, it's like okay. Yeah. Okay. Probably... Yeah, I was just curious. That was just a brief aside. But... So, what about beating lands? Uh, going back to the questions who we asked. Uh... Well, there's just there's actually just one more thing I want to touch on. Sorry. Sure. About like the difference between Maverick and Zoo because. I think in general, Zoo is actually better in fair matchups, just because of kind of the uh, the homogeneous nature of the deck. Like you just kind of like you've got these threats that are you know they attack and they block, and you've got these removal spells. Like that's kind of basically the whole deck. But Maverick, on the other hand, is a lot more has kind of has more moving parts. Like you've got these Mother of Runes. It's not a threat on its own. It's a good card, but it's not a threat on its own. Like you're often going to put it into play, and then it's just going to sit there for a few turns and not do anything. Yeah. Um, and you've got like. Stoneforge Mystic is powerful, but is a bit situational. A card like Scrib Ranger is is very good, very powerful in the right spot. But if you don't have kind of have a board presence going on, it isn't always very high impact. And then just the the fact that you can't—it's just kind of a slow deck. It doesn't necessarily pressure the opponent. It can't always pressure the opponent that much. And it, it doesn't kind of for, always force them to have answers in the same way, I feel like. I mean, it kind of, do, it does in a sense too, but with like Mother of Runes, it's like, well, if you don't have a removal spell, this is this game's going to get harder for you. Yeah. But it's kind of a more, it's just a less proactive deck. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just kind of a less proactive deck than Zoo. And there's no, like one of the kind of age-old sayings and magic is there's there's no wrong threats only wrong answers yes and i think zoo kind of really really embodies that philosophy it's like i'm going to put these things in play i'm going to start attacking you and it's like deal with them or or die and that, that's not really what maverick's about so uh, i think zoo is zoo is kind of generally better in fair enough fair matchups than maverick because like kind of the fit the fit just the kind of the fail rate of the deck is just kind of lower in those matchups like in in matchups that care about kind of combat and removal spells like zoo just that's just kind of what the deck does well so it, it just generally lines up pretty well against those things whereas maverick sometimes it's like it's like you draw your thalia against the tarmogoyf deck like things just don't always line up uh, the same way in those kinds yeah. of fair deck and fair matchups that's interesting um, man i just learned something because i would have thought for sure that you would have said that the other way around that that maverick would be better against fair decks because I, I picture Zoo as a deck that loses to Stoneforge Mystic, and Maverick as a deck that can be the better Stoneforge Mystic deck. Is that not what your experience has been? So, uh, I can't speak for small Zoo because I haven't played it at all, really. Yeah. But th this Zoo deck, I don't, is actually very good against Stoneforge Mystic, in my opinion. Okay. You have a million removal spells that just kill the Stoneforge Mystic. Um, you can play the main deck. Uh, Kasali Pride Mage or Knight of Autumn or you know you can play more than one of them if you want and those can deal with the um, artifacts and Tarmogoyf is just bigger than Batterskull <laughs> I mean generally speaking it's a 4 or 5 and not to mention your Punishing Fires like you can kill Batterskull with Punishing Fires pretty easily or kill the Germ, a Batterskull equipped Germ so uh, I, Stoneforge Mystic yeah, isn't, I don't consider that to be a problem for the Zoo deck or for this Zoo deck in, in any case um and not to mention Umazawa's Jite is way better against Maverick than Zoo because Zoo, you've got three threes and four fives potentially. 
you have a lot fewer one toughness creatures in a Maverick deck. Um, I mean, Zoo is Gta is still going to be you know really good, but you don't feel like you're kind of dead on the spot to Gta if it connects like with Maverick. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I hadn't really thought about that. And like you're a mother of room stack, which is you know Gta's bread and butter. Right. So I think Maverick in, is kind of better when when you get to like the kind of wonkier decks in the format, are not even that that wonky decks. Like com- combo decks in general, like Maverick is better against combo decks. Yeah, especially um, if you're playing black. Even without black, just like if you just look at the green white Maverick shell, it's it's better against combo decks than Zoo yeah. is. Okay. Um, and a a big part of the reason Maverick is better against combo decks than Zoo, which I think might not be that intuitive, is actually because Maverick plays Mother of Runes. Because, like, Zoo, like, you can play Thalia's or Gattacty or whatever, your scavenging ooze. Like, you, you have access to, to creatures that are good against um, kind of non, I guess we can call them un, quote-unquote unfair strategies. Let's say com- combo decks. Um, but the thing is, it's like, okay, you put your, you say you, you mulligan to your, your Gattacty. It's like you put it into play, then your opponent just kills it, and then you just, they just go off. Like, that, that kind of thing happens a lot. But with Maverick, you can be like, turn one Mother Runes, turn two Gattacteague, and then it's like, well, now I need to find two answers before they can go off. And that makes a huge difference. So I actually, like when I'm playing Zoo, Punishing Zoo, the matches where I miss playing, like I wish I was playing Punishing Maverick instead, are when I'm paired against combo decks. <laughs> Which I, I don't know if that's intuitive, but basically I think Mother Runes actually improves the combo matchups for, for a Maverick deck compared to a Zoo deck. Yeah, I would not have thought that, but now, now that you're saying it, I guess I can't really argue with it. Like one one of the one of the like again, there's the whole zoo has the thing where it's like I can just kill them before they kill me, but that's that works for a, a small zoo deck, but for this big zoo deck, that's I mean, it, it does happen, but it's a bit of a taller order. All right, so cow ethers question. Yeah, so uh, I realize I kind of was getting started talking about this. So Cow Ether asked, how do you handle combo matchups with your limited access to efficient hate? Th- this is really what I was getting into a bit before, is that for the this this zoo deck, the the best way to basically the Green Sun Zenith package is what gives you the opportunity to interact with combo decks, especially in game one. You've got the the ooze Pride Mage and Gattacteague. Those are kind of you. You need you need at least one of those of each of those in in your main deck if you're playing this deck, I think. And then the other thing you have going on that that kind of works against combo is you've got Knight of the Reliquary, which kind of in turn gets Wasteland and Caracas, which also give you opportunities to interact with certain combo decks. So I guess one thing in common with all of those those things is none of them obviously are going to save you from a turn one combo deck pretty much, um, but that. You could say the same for pretty much any non-blue deck that doesn't have, uh, you know, Chrome Mox or, or Mox Diamond or, or Ancient Tomb in their deck. So, um, yeah, in game one, you're you're probably gonna have, probably gonna have a hard time against those decks. Do you have any consideration of Mind Break Trap? Yeah. So as far as the sideboard goes, there's there's lots of different options. I mean, if you if you really want to beat combo and you're playing a non-blue deck. There are <laughs> there are tons of ways you can actually do it. Like there there's lots of cards you can play. Like you can play Leyline of the Void, you can play Leyline of Sanctity, you can play Mindbreak Trap, you can play Ravenous Trap, Surgical Extraction. Um like those are all cards you could play if you uh really don't want to lose the combo decks playing your non-blue deck. But um I generally outside of Surgical Extraction, I kind of stay away from most of those cards. 
sure, you might not have great combo matchups playing Zoo, but you can definitely beat combo decks without, I think, without resorting to those kinds of narrow cards. You might gain some points against those decks if you played stuff like Mindbreak Trap, but I don't think it's worth uh, giving up ground in other matchups to play those kinds of cards. So yes, you you, you could play. I, I actually so I, I actually disagree that you have limited access to efficient hate. I think if you want to, you 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 don't. I mean, uh, there's a number of, of basically free cards you can play that can kind of stop you from dying against the the, the really fast combo decks. But I, I personally generally choose not to play those cards with the exception of Surgical Extraction. Because it's Surgical Extraction is like, I think it's the best one of those cards. Yeah, the thing, you played three Surgicals, I noticed. And the, yeah. thing that, the thing that scares me about playing three Surgicals is the, the tendency to, to want to board one in. Like, I, I know I experience this, I don't know if you do. Yes, yes. Like, like is that something you have to combat? Yeah, you can always kind of talk yourself into, like, cutting... It's like, well, the first Surgical is probably better than this, like, random, I don't know, like, other spell in my deck, or this land in my deck. There is definitely yeah. a temptation to do that. Like, I'm playing against, like, some, like, I don't know, Enchantress or something. It's like, some, like, compl- like some deck where I just have a million dead cards. It's like, do I bring in one Surgical? Um, the answer is I would not bring in Surgical versus Enchantress personally, but I can understand the temptation to do so. So yeah, it, it's true that, you know, common matchups, I guess, can be a bit rough for this Zoo deck. But they're by no means unwinnable. I've definitely beaten combo many times with this deck. I feel like in general, people get... When it comes to non-blue decks, people get a little worked up over... A little too worked up about kind of combo matchups. Like, I also play a lot of Punishing Maverick, and I kind of... One of the, the questions that always comes up when people are talking about Punishing Maverick is like, oh, like, how does this deck ever beat combo decks? It's like, you don't have any Thalia in your main deck. It's like, well, I mean, A, you, a, you do have means of interacting with combo decks that aren't necessarily Thalia. Like, as I mentioned earlier, there's still Teague, Ooze, Pride Mage. Like, I mean, Maverick was a good, it was a tier one deck before Thalia was printed because it had those cards. <laughs> and not to mention Wasteland and Caracas via Knight. Like, those are, so you can interact with combo game one. And um, obviously, you've got plenty of choices you can play in your sideboard if you want. But then there's, um, I mean, the other thing I found is just playing from playing blue decks is it's like, well, guess what? Playing forcible in your deck doesn't give you a free pass to just beat combo decks. Yeah, like, that's, that's the not thing. how it works. I'm glad you said that because, like, I was I was five two at this tournament, and my two losses were to combo. Yeah, um, and what. I played. I also played Black Red twice. Uh, I went one and one against it, but there were a total of right. three games where I just didn't have any play, even though I kept Force of Will hands because there were Chancellor draws. Exactly. It's like okay, they have an unmasked. They have a Chancellor. It's like, well, guess what? You kept the Force of Will. It wasn't good enough. Like you were yeah. going to lose anyway. You still it's just like, lose. So right. So honestly, like some blue decks I've played, like I think like it's a matchup like Storm, for example. I think Maverick is a better Storm matchup than like Blue White Stoneblade. Like I, I think it does. Yeah, I mean, I'll defer to your to your better judgment because I, I haven't played you know that much Zoo or that. No, much... no, I, I said Maverick. I did. Sorry, I guess yeah. even Zoo would though because the thing with in that matchup specifically is if you, if they're not playing Burning Wish, if you just put Gaddy into playing game one, they can't win. Right. So like you just kind of have this like oops I win button. I would definitely believe you have a better game one. Yeah, and even after the sideboard, like Storm is just it's it's built to combat blue decks. Like yeah, you I mean. I, I don't know. I, I think it's 
Storm specifically, at least, is 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 that it feels like I have a better matchup with Maverick against it than with some blue decks I've played. I feel you, man. I mean, like, what are they duressing you? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember a few, maybe two years ago, I was playing a lot of of uh, blue white red Stone Blade, and I must have gone like like that summer I was playing a lot. I must have gone like zero and six against Storm decks in matches. Like, I literally wow. could not be a Storm deck for the life of me. And like, sure, maybe I wasn't playing the deck optimally. I can concede that, but. Like the fact that you know you just don't have a lot of pressure, yeah. you don't have a ton of like unless you kind of are playing like a dedicated card like either sworn canonist, you have a lot of stack based interaction. Yeah, and storm is just it's just built to beat stack based interaction because that's kind of what dominates the format. Yeah, so it just you kind of just you get got by storm. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And so yeah, I think that a lot of people were were boarding low on threats too against storm from the from the blue white seat. Where it's yeah. like you have to close this game at some point because if you just keep right. going forever, th- they're going to get you because they have that many discard spells. Yeah, exactly. Have- like like good good common decks and legacy, like they're good for a reason. Like they're they're very resilient, they're very redundant, and they can you know they can they can beat like your hate, and that's that's what they're that's what they're built. They wouldn't be good if they if they weren't able to do that. And especially with the blue decks in mind, like they go out like like Sneak and Show for example, they've got like Besaju. Um, they've got their own fluster storms. It's like they can just they can fight you right back with those. They've got defense grid. Like th- these decks are they're kind of built to 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 beat blue decks because that's kind of the I guess blue blue. I mean in in theory blue is the enemy of combo. Like that that's why they're built that way. So so yeah. So I, I kind of I don't know. I used to get beat up about like playing decks like punishing Zoo or punishing Mavericks. I'd be like oh you know it has a bad combo matchup. But I just I just kind of got over that. Like once once I played blue and I realized like playing blue doesn't give you a free pass against combo. And yeah. then honestly, in some cases, I think it might even be worse against combo depending on the depending on the list you're playing. So I don't really worry about that anymore. <laughs> that, that's good advice, man. So the, yeah. the second part of this question from Cal Ether is, what tools have you gotten from recent sets? And I think this is a great one because there are a lot of cards I want to ask you about here. But what's what's your first take on this? So yeah, I was playing a number of new cards in my list from the, from the weekend. I played Collector Oof, Renin Six, and Knight of Autumn. So um, another thing worth mentioning about Green Sun Zenith, the card it's not getting worse, and not only is it not getting worse, it's only getting better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're always printing new creatures. Inevitably, some of them are green, and inevitably, some of them are going to be good. So these are some nice new additions. Like Knight of Autumn is a uh, it's just a just a really big upgrade over Rex Age, I think, because the problem with the Rex Age was just sometimes you draw it and they wouldn't have the artifact or enchantment. It's like, well, I have this two one, but at Night of Autumn, it's like, well, I have a four three now. It's great. And then the gain four life for this deck, especially one of the worst matchups for this this Zoo deck I played is Burn. Actually, like the Burn matchup is, is atrocious. Really? Oh man, yeah. I would not have expected that. No, the Burn matchup is is very bad. Okay. In my experience. Um, and so Night of Autumn's, you know, does double duty against against that deck. I really don't like losing the burn. I should add that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I honestly a lot of the decks I play are bad against burn, so I, I should just deal with it. And then Collector Oof, like I've played Stony Silence in this in the sideboard of Zoo before, <laughs> and now they print a Collector Oof. It's like, and the problem with Stony Silence is like I don't want to play one because you know I'm not too likely to find it. So I'd either play Enlightened Tutor or I'd play Multiples. Yeah. And now oof just it just you know, with one fell swoop, the whole thing has been has been solved. You just play one oof, you get it with your four <laughs> green sun, it attacks. I mean it's Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. If if you want that effect, you know, oof is 
that's great. So um, yeah, and then Ren and Six, I think there's potential for this card to do a lot more in a zoo deck than what I did with it this weekend. I just played one on the sideboard, partly honestly due to availability issues. I only own one right now. And honestly, I think there's you could probably build a whole different zoo deck around this card. It's just a really good card, and it's red and green, so um, it does a lot. One of the nice things about Ren and Six is, in this deck specifically also, is being able to rebuy Wastelands, because I mentioned earlier you only have two Wastelands in the deck. Yeah, I'd imagine you'd build it a little differently, though, so you'd have to at least three of that. Yeah, but even like this, like I'm happy playing Ren and Six with two Wastelands. Um, just having the opportunity to recur the Wastelands against with four nights, certain yeah. decks. Um, right, like two drop your Wasteland, then it's like, well, I got Ren and Six, I can pick them up. Um, I think so. Ren and Six actually, I think, directly improves some of the matchups for this deck that were a bit harder for this deck than, say, Maverick. What about um, Mox Diamond? Would you consider Mox Diamond, like two Mox Diamonds, potentially, if you were going to move to like a Ren and Six direction with this deck, or is that no longer so? I would not be interested in doing that. Okay. Um, I think if. I hate to kind of go to the slippery slope fallacy, but I kind of think you'd just want to play aggro on at that point. Um, I could believe that. I mean, I, I was just yeah. curious. No, I don't think you're not interested. In dil- like that, that's not what Zoo is about. Like you don't want to dil- dilute your deck with um, kind of another setup card that isn't really good on its own. That's yep. kind of goes against really what I think of the, the philosophy of this deck is is, um, which is kind of like the consistency and redundancy um, aspect. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the answer I expected. I just wanted to hear it from your mouth. So another card that, that uh, I was wondering about, because you have... Green Sun Zenith is going to end up in the yard, but you have Lightning Bolts and Plows. So did you give any consideration to Arcanist, or is it like too slow and not what this deck wants to do? I actually have thought about it. Like, not for this deck specifically, but kind of in the abstract. Like, what if I put Arcanist in my non-blue deck? And I, I don't think it's... Um, I, I don't think it's there. Um, it doesn't synergize. It's not... You have to exile the card, right? Yes. So it's kind of... Eh, with Punishing Fire. I mean, you still get some good value, but... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't think of it with Punishing Fire. You could do it with Hylog, but... Mostly just Lightning Bolt. Oh, that's true, yeah. You need to actually... It's 2CMC. There's that, too. I think, like, if that's what you want to do, just, like, why don't you just play Blue Deck? I think that's kind of what what I ended up. It's like, you get to play... You can play all these removal spells and just play also play a bunch of cantrips and play in a blue shell. Like, why do you need to play Arcanist in a, in a green shell? Like, that's kind of the question, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, it, it, like, if you want to exploit that card, I just... I think there's just better shells to do it than kind of a, a, a Naya shell or some kind of Gruul shell. I don't know. So, yeah, the, the cards that we've already discussed to this question would be Hex Drinker and Domery. Yeah, so uh, I'm yeah I'm not quite I'm not quite there with either card. I think Hex Drinker is it's an interesting card. I, I'm I'm more I think I'd more likely to play a Hex Drinker than a Domri. But then there's the age old question: What do I cut? I guess cut in a cattle. Like is the the first Hex Drinker better than the fourth in the cattle? Maybe it is. But uh, no, I don't know how keen I am on trying that to be honest. Especially given that I don't get I don't get to play this deck that much. <laughs> Uh, Sean Riggins asks, how do you feel Punishing Fire as a board control mechanism is situated right now with Arcanist as a 1-3 and when going to 4 on turn 2, how effective has it been and how do you handle the other WMAN Chalice? Um, I, sorry, can I just address the... the um, there's a part of the previous question I think we missed that our, our lands playing friend lamenting um, oh, that how do I beat you? Yeah. So I think our, our lands playing friends 
is um, suffering from one of the misconceptions maybe about the differences between Maverick and Zoo. <laughs> um, I think they've been losing a lot to Maverick. I, I don't know if they've ever played against Zoo, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know if they're losing a lot to Zoo if they are playing against Zoo. Um, so again, the, the four Wasteland and Maverick makes Lands a much better matchup um, than Zoo has. Um, Mother of Ruins also pretty valuable in the Lands matchup. Um, Thalia pretty valuable. I think Maverick is much better against lands than Zoo. Also, Maverick generally have a kind of better mana base than this than the Zoo deck. So, but as a lands player, how do I beat Maverick? Um, that is a hard matchup for lands, in my opinion. I think the best way for lands to beat Maverick is to make it twenty twenty on turn one or two, and they don't have a plow or a wasteland. That's uh, that's pretty much the only thing I'm scared of when I'm playing. If I'm playing Maverick against lands, the only thing I'm scared of is a fast twenty twenty, and I don't have. I just they just twenty twenty check me, and I just don't have an answer. Um, but if the game was long, I generally feel like I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um. So then going on to the question about right. So punishing fire. So we we talked about this a little earlier. I think punishing fire unfortunately has kind of gotten a little worse. It's yeah. getting worse and worse every year. <laughs> and he um, mentions Arcanist and Ren, too, which we kind of... Yeah, and Ren going... So one... I guess th- this sounds really bad, but, like, if you... I mean, I tried to do this, actually, in one of my matches over the weekend. It's like, play the Hierarch to bait them to play the Ren to, to kill it, and then you, you go and Punishing Fire it, because that's a go-to-two. Ooh. But, like... I don't know. That's still... That's not, not, like, that good of a trade. Hmm... I mean, yeah, Punishing Fire, like, it's 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 just good against Planeswalkers. Like, I mean, Ren only goes to four in turn two. I mean, I guess, yeah, Ren gets down, it comes down pretty early and starts going up. I mean, like, they, yeah, I mean, Punishing Fire is, it's always going to do something against Planeswalkers, but sometimes it might not be enough. And then Arcanist, obviously, having three toughness, you need to MacGyver a way to kill with Punishing Fire. Yeah. But the, see, the beautiful thing about Punishing Fire, though, is just the way it scales. It's like, you have five mana? Well, now you can do four damage to the stuff. And so yeah. the other part of this question is Chalice. And... Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, Chalice is a, is a bit annoying for this deck. You have There's a decent number of one drops, so a turn one Chalice is sometimes is pretty bad. And I guess, well, then I guess the question is, what is coming after the Chalice? Like, which flavor of Chalice are we talking about? Right. Um, if it's the Blood Moon flavor... I mean, you're not... Eh. You got a decent number of red spells yourself. They can help you make in a cattle with their making stuff mountains. Help but they're not creatures, three. though, is sort of the problem, right? Non-creatures? Right, like all your reds... You have red spells. Like, you can answer yeah. a magus of the moon. No, that's true, yeah. Like, like Bloodbraid Elf, so good against those kinds of decks, but we're not playing right. Bloodbraid Elf. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, Chal... I don't know, I... I definitely feel better against Chalice decks, you know, all flavors of Chalice decks with Maverick. Also, a big thing Maverick has that this deck doesn't is Stoneforge Mystic, like yes. the slayer of Chalice decks. <laughs> um, yeah, you, I mean, I get by against Chalice with, with Zoo, but it's not something I'm really thrilled to play against. I guess I did beat it twice over the weekend. Like, it's not it's not horrible, but it's uh, I just feel a little better playing playing different strategies against Chalice decks. I wonder. I wonder if there's a cavern version to, to shore that matchup up. The, so, the, the, that's an interesting thought. The The problem is the one drops. I mean, the deck is called Zoo. It has a, uh, you know, a, a medley of creatures. Right, um, so you could cross Hierarch, 
Hierarch, Knight of the Reliquary, and then you have to play something like Champion of the Parish or something along those lines instead of Mikado, right? Adam's Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that would be kind. Of, I think that'd be hard to pull off. Um, yeah. Tarmogoy. Yeah. I guess you could kind of morph into some kind of humans deck. You'd probably want to go in a humans direction. You probably would. It, the, so the thing is, like Tarmogoy, you don't have to worry about Chalice. So Cavern would be fine there as just a colorless mana source. So it's not like you yeah. have to compromise the Tarmogoy aspect. But yeah, I, I think the uh, those matchups aren't. Um, I, I I don't think Cavern is really a is a reasonable card to play for for those matchups. Overall, it's it's too it's a bit too narrow. Like against uh, the blue decks, I don't know what you'd be wanting wanting to be to, to name. I guess it depends on the matchup. And then there's uh, the issue: of what would you cut for a cavern? Because the mana base is actually is extremely <laughs> finicky. You have to cut a wasteland. Uh, see, I don't think you could do that. Yeah, exactly. Like the the cut for yeah, the cut would have to be a wasteland. You can't you you can't cut anything else from the mana base. I guess you could cut Caracas. Like, Cracks is a cuttable card if you're willing to throw away some equity against combo decks, which I'm not willing to do. But I, I guess Caracas could be considered a flex slot. All right, so the last question that we have here, uh, Spooner asked, what's the next card that should be banned and why is it Grandstorm? I think he's assuming that you are just a uh, Naya No, so I'm not... I can't say I'm in the kind of banned Brainstorm camp, unfortunately, Rich. Brainstorm is a very good card. I do enjoy casting Brainstorm quite a bit myself. So wait, living down in uh, down in the deep south, though, have you have you met Team Tusk? Have you have you interacted with those guys? Well, yeah. I mean, I've yeah, I've been to Atlanta for a few events. <laughs> You've been to Giga, yeah. Yeah, I've been to Gigabytes. I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, I guess they there's some people there who have strong feelings about Brainstorm. They haven't uh, initiated you into the the band Brainstorm crew. No, I I don't really have an opinion to be honest. Honestly, I I wouldn't be, I don't think I'd be that upset if it was banned. Like I'd be I'd be happy playing Ponder and Puritan. Like those are still great cards. And Jace, you know, Jace, you know, has a brainstorm on him too. Like you can still brainstorm with Jace. So I, I honestly I don't think I'd be upset if brainstorm was banned. But it's not something I actively support or advocate. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is kind of weird, man, with like Arcanist and, and the sort of resurgence of Preordain. I can almost see it more clearly now that like Blue would be okay without Brainstorm, but I don't I don't want that. I don't. I think Blue would be okay without Brainstorm. Like yeah. I, I do think Blue would be okay. Like, uh, uh, like in what way would it not be okay? Like that's kind of my question. <laughs> like, right? Ponder and Preordain are still great cards. I would say combo, like potentially, like the ant. But so like so is that true like when, I don't when, know. I mean obviously brainstorm is like a more powerful cantrip so it gives you more like it gives you like more looks again against uh, for the right cards against those decks. No 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 I'm saying playing those decks when you're when you're playing like you have four rituals and then you can just brainstorm and now you have two rituals and you know, Oh yeah, comics would suffer. Yes, comics would yeah. suffer. Yes, they definitely would. I don't think they'd... Well, but uh, yeah, again, the Feradex would, would suffer a bit too. Uh, I'm not sure who would suffer more. I think, I think, I th- I'm pretty sure both would still be very playable, is my, is my guess. I, I think it would be interesting. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but... I don't it, think it's ever going to happen either. That's part of the reason I don't really think about it that much, because <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. And the London Mulligan, honestly, man, like it kind of feels like everybody has Brainstorm now. The London Mulligan, I must say, it feels so good when you're playing a deck with green sun zenith because those hands 
where you draw the Dryad Arbor and the Green Sun Zenith. You just yeah. want to... Oof. <laughs> That's like the, the only time Green Sun Zenith feels bad is when you also draw the Dryad Arbor and you're not playing a Brainstorm deck. Then it's yeah. like yeah. big, big oof. When I played it online, the, the London Mulligan game, when I was getting ready for Syracuse, and just never having that batter skull in your opening hand is just saving crap. Yes, that too, with batter skull, exactly. So yeah, it, you know, a lot of decks do gain something from it, but I think that uh, the the colorless decks, like, you know, your, your Post and Eldrazi sort of decks, really gain the most, in my opinion, because those decks were really suffering in consistency. Yeah, the, the, some decks gain more than others, but so far it seems overall like you know the sky isn't falling, like um, which is it's good. That's kind of I think whatever what nobody wanted was we enter some kind of combo winter, but it doesn't doesn't seem like that's happening so far. Yeah, and we had a ton of results this weekend. And yes. So there was a, a hundred and five person event in uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but Guangzhou maybe China. Uh, yeah. That cool. had yeah. that had two blue red delvers, a burn, two reanimators. It was won by Eldrazi, and wow. then it also had lands and depths, and that was the top eight. And the Star City events, the yep. the, the team event had like six Ren decks total. Yes, a lot of four color decks. But then the classic, which is kind of like the set the second tier of the team event, because you figure that those legacy players who advanced are, you know... Uh, I, mean, I mean, even good players have bad days. Like, if you yes, have a classic results, yes. you'll see plenty of good players usually in the top, uh, you know... Th this standings. is true, yeah. I don't mean to shit on it at all, but I'm just saying yeah. that there's less Ren there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that. It, it could just be that a lot of the Ren decks may too. Worth, worth noting, I have much better results in classics than opens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. Um, and then in this tournament, the leading legacy, we had, let's see, you were on... A good mix, a really good mix. Yeah, you were on Zoo, then there was Dredge, Miracles, Rug, Noble Rug, uh, Four Color Delver, Tess, which was uh, Anthony Laverde, and what were the other two? Reanimator. Uh, Reanimator and... Storm. Oh, yeah, you just said that. Yeah, Anthony. Um, I think you... Oh no, Chris Fields playing Blue Red Delver. That's what oh, you didn't. Oh, I thought you already said him. Okay, yeah. Weirdly enough, the I'm like the the true red green deck, and I'm less of a red deck than the blue deck splashing for red. It's yeah. really. I mean, this is kind of I guess the problem with with brainstorm is it's so crazy that like, I feel like every time like they print this like a push card that's like not blue, it always finds a way into the blue decks. You know, all, always, bro. Just always. Like, when I saw this card, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this red-green card. Like, it's so great that Wizards is actually printing, like, good cards in other colors. It's like, lo and behold, like, not only is just, like, it's just, it's nuts in blue decks. Like, the plus is so good with Brainstorm. And the emblem is way better in a blue deck than any other kind of deck. Yes. The emblem, dude, I underrated the emblem so much. Like, I, I yeah. just said, I'll oh, just ignore that. Because the, the plus and the minus were so good. Yeah, the emblem you can't is the fucking emblem. insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yeah. gone, I've gone from games where I was just hopelessly flooded to just getting run off and just being like, okay, I can't resist it. Gasoline, five lands, yeah. and four lands in hand. Yeah, force of one graveyard. It's fucking. Over. Yeah, like, like I mean, you've probably seen like an emblem with like Colgon's command or counter spell, yeah. and like, or is any cantrip? It's just like it's just good. 
So a question that, that you had actually put on here is what, what uh, we think of Bant now. Yeah, so we kind of mentioned earlier, we're talking about the rug deck, how you said you didn't want to be doing kind of the hierarchy true name thing right now. Right. But I guess where I was coming from is, so, so Bant Stoneblade is, is really, I guess after kind of Maverick, like Bant Stoneblade is, is my favorite legacy deck. Like I love the deck. I played it a lot a few years ago, but it's kind of fallen on hard times. I'm really talking about the Green Sun Zenith version. Like that's the version I played. Right. I know you played a lot of like Bant Deathblade, and that deck had a had its time with Deathrite, but I never really got into that version. Yeah. But no. what's interesting me now is um, the new the busted new three mana Planeswalkers. We got Narset, Parter of Veils, and Teferi Time Raveler. So I guess well, I mean a rug deck can do it too. But the idea of being able to play one of those cards in turn two and having a daze in your hand just seems quite appealing to me. So I'm wondering if there's like if there's a chance for kind of a Bant deck to be relevant again here, and I want to know your thoughts about it. Yeah, man. I, it's something I've thought about a lot. So first of all, I, I tried playing Bant. Like, after after Deathrite was banned, first of all, with like a couple of Birds of Paradise. Yep. And so, so I want to say Eric Landon. Somebody has, had been trying it online and put up a couple of five ones. Yes, I, he did. Yes, a few months ago. Yeah, and I played a pretty similar list that I was doing re- reasonably well with, but there's something that Tom says. Uh, he said a few times that like he played Bant Deathblade because he truly believed it was the best deck for that particular time, which is like 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that. And right now, when I play it, I'm, I'm always like... I feel like I'm just a slight dog to Delver, mm-hmm. uh, which is really weird to, to say that with this set, but that's just how it feels. And no, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't disagree with that. Like, yeah. honestly, like Delver never felt that great for me playing Bant. Like, it was always kind of yeah, kind of yeah. a toss up. <laughs> yeah, and the man is just a little shakier now, unless you commit to playing like a lot of birds, which are just really bad cards. Yeah, you, you don't want to play more than two. I'm pretty sure. Right. So it, it, it kind of gets sketchy and you don't have abrupt decay and there's no well, card is abrupt decay needed right now well so this is the problem right with, with chalice and stuff there's no card that is in those colors i guess you have teferi now well yeah that's another thing about teferi is it actually gives you some of that you know interaction yeah like there's no like a white green command kind of card that you can play to answer a chalice so if you have like ingress like pride page yeah, there's Kasai Pride Mage, you're right. Also, it is, a, also a sturdy attacker. <laughs> yeah, it is one more mana, though, and it is like getting you out fat on the board, like yeah. against a Miracles or something like that. But you're you're absolutely right, man. I, I've been thinking a lot about two things. I've been thinking about Rug... Well, three things, I guess. I've been thinking about Rug decks with Green Sun packages, with like one mm-hmm. Hierarch, one Hex Drinker... Uh, two boys one hierarchy yeah stuff like that like you know for when you when you have a window to fire off a green sun for two but you don't, don't want all four <laughs> you don't have your third land yeah. no i i know what you're saying like there is that consideration too but then there's also like a bigger deck because what we have now is a green sun of little baleful strix and nobody's doing that, right? oh yeah we do it, I totally is, forgot about that. It's what I wanted so bad for so long. It's like, God, I want strips you can green sun for. Coiling Oracle oh, just, yeah. just isn't good enough. And now yeah. we kind of have that. And n- nobody's trying that. So that's like a big no. Thing, right? 
that's a that's a I I miss that too actually. So one thing I've been thinking about in that space is like playing four young pyromancers as the base of my deck, and then playing like a green sun package that had risen reef in it. So you could just oh, do you know what risen reef is? Uh, it's a new card. I yeah, I need to double check. It's a three mana. It's one blue green for a one one elemental, and whenever that elemental, including itself, enters the battlefield, you reveal or you look at the top card of your library, you put it into play. It's a land, or you just draw it. So it t- would turn your pyromancers into every spell you cast. You draw a card. And you mm. Wow! So it's just like a stupid, sick value entry. Yeah, it is a stupid sick value engine. <laughs> it would be like a one of green sun target top end. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to right. emphasize though is that this is like a uh, control minded. It's not like a delver deck, right? Like but if sorry, answers. would you rather play tireless tracker than that risen reef thing? Well, I, I was I was gonna split them one one. Oh okay, sure. Okay. And have it be like a ram deck. But then there's also like there's the shardless agent, which doesn't really synergize with green sun zenith. Yes, an, an infamous nonbo. Yeah, but it is a it is a nice thing. Like, there's this other direction of rock decks, like the waterfalls decks. If you've yes, seen exactly. Those. And especially with the new crashing footfalls. Like, oh my god. Oh, dude. Cascading that, to that is just is so devastating. It's fucking gross. I've yeah. seen that a few times. It's like just like a punch in the face. It is. <sighs> and I I was like beating the hell out of decks that I did not think I would beat when I tried that deck online. Yeah. Yep. The, these have sort of been eating up a lot of my time, and I haven't really gone back to thinking about Bantstone Blade lately because I sort of blocked off my mind like playing for Hierarchs with, with Ren out. Yep. And the other thing is I want to be playing Ren because I, I own them. And yeah, it's, yeah like, the card is very good. It is very good. I, I played a lot of matchups where it wasn't at its best this weekend, so it was kind of frustrating. Uh, but oh, so actually, I'd be interested to hear more about that because uh, honestly, I haven't. I just want to hear a little more about that. I went. I played against blue black reanimator, Tess, black red reanimator. Okay, yeah, I was just straight up not good against those decks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was boarding out two or all three of them in, in most of those games. Quite sensible. And yeah, it was. It was just felt really bad, and then it sort of turned around because I played against on the way out uh, miracles blue red delver post it was fucking amazing oh yeah (laughs) so this might be a stupid question but like how good do you think ren is against miracles dude it was so much better than i thought it would be better than you thought it would be so much better than i thought it would be yeah i I mean i I think it's good but like it does it kind of feels like liliana the veil against miracles well actually that's not true though because the problem with liliana the veil against miracles is it doesn't actually win the game like that's always been my problem with that card in that matchup Right, but I think actually I just realized Ren doesn't have that problem because the emblem I think wins the game yeah, a lot better than a Loliana ultimate does. I made an emblem, yeah, it was really yeah. good, and yeah. I think that I I do see the comparison that that you're making because it it sort of is almost invisible how you're gaining advantage because right. you're, a lot of times you're just keeping them off an extra land drop or you know it's, it's sort of like they play around the Liliana, so you're not seeing them discard like back to basics and counterbalance and jace. You know, they're right. setting it up. So maybe the best thing they'll discard is like a spell appears or you know, yeah. extra land. But you are gaining this advantage over time. And it felt the same way with Ren. It was like, okay, I have six lands in my freaking hand. And I, yeah, like, exactly. I, I can't yep. waste them. So like, what, what yep. good is this? And then all of a sudden you snap off an emblem. Because they're actually shaving No, but it's not, it's not even that, though. Like, you, like just plus, just like 
just not missing a land drop against every turn against miracles is that yeah. that's actually very powerful. Yeah, no doubt. And like you I don't want to miss land drops forces. against that deck ever. In my you know shitty land deck, I was hard casting forces, and dude, yeah. I was I beat a back to basics, right? Just just by just having days, and yeah. and wasting myself and, and recurring lands. Your, yeah, just, dude, just, it was like these weird lines. I was like, holy shit, yeah. I, I don't even care that they have a back to basics. Yeah, that's, in my, ooh, no that, basics. that's giga brain right there. <laughs> it was weird, bro. But it, it was it was yeah. really uh, pretty enlightening how how good it was. Yeah. Like I think my, some people might look at Ren and think like, oh, like they'll look at the minus, and sit and be like, oh, the minus doesn't do anything. It's miracles, but like you don't need the minus to be good. Yeah. Oh, dude, I forgot. I played against uh, Bolus's Citadel deck. So I saw I saw that player. I sat I sat next to him a few of the rounds. Uh, I, I actually don't know what exactly his deck was doing, but it looked pretty wild. <laughs> dude, I had no idea. So we were. This was like the, I, I want to say two two at the time. And he was uh, coming off a loss, but he, he won a feature match earlier. I didn't actually. Yeah, I was sitting next to him yet. during that feature match. I was like okay. on the back of feature match. So I thought sees him on turn one, and he's got dark ritual, cabal ritual, ponder, ponder, weather the storm, <sighs> uh, chromatic sphere, and ancient tomb. So I take the chromatic sphere, and I'm because you know he could play tomb and then crack crack the sphere to cast ritual or ponder because I'm like this is some kind of crazy combo shit going on I don't have yep. no idea what Weatherstorm is for and I'm just like this is an ancient tomb but not a chalice deck obviously so I'm just mm-hmm. super confused at this point yeah. and he scoops without letting me see anymore so I after like a couple turns I'm not drawing any scoops and he didn't get to go off in game two either but I guess what he's doing is he's got artifact lands mox opal basically like Cheerios stuff with Bolas's Citadel and uh, what's the other big card called? Aetherflux Reservoir. Thank you, yeah. Aetherflux <laughs> Reservoir. Standard All-Star. And Weather the Storm to just, you know, on his on his going off turn, he just gains a bunch of life that way. And it it obviously won some games. I saw he had stuck around in the tournament. I want to say he was on 12 points at the end of it. So he, he won more than he lost. So yeah. It was really pretty sweet to see that because it's not something I considered at all. Oh yeah, I mean, I I'm not a combo player by any means. Like I, I <laughs> if you haven't figured that out by now, I only play mid range, <laughs> so I'm I'm not the person to ask. Um, but yeah, it seemed kind of sweet. I guess. I mean, I can kind of like appreciate. I, I can appreciate other decks from a distance without wanting to play them. <laughs> yeah, that's that kind of deck. So yeah, that was uh, that was my other round. But yeah, with with regard to Bant, the the other thing with Teferi that I don't like is I really like the idea of pairing with discard and with Bant you don't have access to that. Like the only the only but sorcery be Green Sun Zenith. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dude, you know what's really weird that I haven't seen Teferi like it, it's like a two of in in infect that someone did well with it and everybody yeah. just instantly adopted it, which makes sense. But I haven't seen Food Chain or Lauren with Teferi. I guess I don't think a lot of people are playing those decks in general right now. No, but I, I have seen them pop up, and when they do, they don't have Tefiri yet. But are they, they playing just, white? Are they playing what? Are they playing white, though? Yeah, Recruiter of the Guard seems to oh. be like a standard inclusion now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does seem like a reasonable card to consider. I don't know. Yeah, man. Like, I want to I wanna play, like, a, 
the food chain deck with like Snowlands, Ice Fang, Waddles, mm-hmm. and yep. Fairies, and mm. and really fuck with people. And I think that that could be a good deck right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about food chain, but. Um... Oh, dude, you know about Food Chain. You played against Matt Caronda enough. Oh, oh, I have. Yeah, I mean, I believe me, I'm very good at losing to Food Chain with stupid, <laughs> stupid Stoneblade or Maverick decks. Like, nice source to Plowshares. Like, Manipulate Fate. I, I finally learned Manipulate Fate is actually the card you can't let resolve. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It took me a long time to figure it out, but eventually I realized that was actually the card I was losing to pretty much every time. Draw four, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, keep Enforce a Will, Force Manipulate Fate with Extreme Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, spell snare is like your best card. It's like pirate, like le- do not le- put your red mana down. You need to fire blast it. <laughs> Absolutely, it, that deck is that deck is really scary for fair decks in my experience. But, I think it's particularly bad for fair decks with source to plashers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. But yeah, so that's uh, that's sort of what I've been considering with Teferi. But what what do you th- what do you have in mind? What's your ideal build? I mean, so I, I want to play. I mean, I've seen a few lists. So there's the list that uh, Landon played. It had six dorks. I recently saw a list with only four. It just had four hierarch, had a few goifs, stone forges, and true names. Like that was kind of, and then it just had some like a pile of spells. Oh, I did really, see that. I, I did see that too. It looks yep. really nice and kind of clean. I because like. I understand that the desire to play birds is that you just want more turn one like dorks to just kind of get your deck off the ground, but the unfortunate reality is birds is. I mean, it's not a bad card, but it's not always a great card. <laughs> it's an awful top deck, you know. Like the only time it's great top decks if you have like a sword of fire and it's just like hanging out and play. And even yeah. then, it's like, well, maybe it's not even that. Maybe that's not even good. So yeah, I I I like the, it, like if I'm not. One of my things, my thing with Dan is it's always been like if you're going to play, like if you decide you want to play more than four dorks, it's like how do you go about doing it? Obviously, when Deathrite existed, playing Deathrite was kind of the right thing to do. But now that we're here, it's like, do I want to play birds or do I want to play Green Sun Zeniths? That's kind of my my like the the, the top like the kind of highest level question for me right now. It's like a, do I want more than four dorks? And b, if I do, like how do I want to go about doing it? Like, and I, I don't know the answer. I haven't done any testing, <laughs> really. I think you just want Green Sun and Zenith. And I, I wonder what it looks like with, like, four Hierarchs, two of the the Snow Strixes, like, one Goyf, one Scooze, one Pride Mage, and then, you know, some number of true names. Like, I wonder what that deck looks like, right? So, the, yeah, the rough thing about the Green Sun lists is just they're so tight. yeah. But you always have to give up something. So, like, if you're going to play the Strix, I guess you're either cutting Knight of the Reliquary or you're cutting Stoneforge Mystics and, and Equipments, is my what is my gut feeling. If you want to play Strix in a Green Sun list. So, yeah, what, I, what I'm kind of wondering about is there's two ways to do this. You can cut Stoneforge but still play Equipment, which is, like, something that no one ever does anymore. But it is, it is possible. Not, yeah, no, that's an option. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you can save spots that way. But also... The nice thing about the the snow strikes is that it doesn't compromise your blue count for for force away. Yeah, so that is another never, good thing about it. Yes. Yeah, you've never had like a blue green card that, that was green soundable but pitched to four. So the Trigon Predator would beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> Rocks War Monk would beg to differ. Did you play? I, I mean, dude, I played Rafik, so. Oh, you played Rafik? Yeah. What am I? I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm a casual. I should get out. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I really there's a lot of stuff I want to try with that with that snow tricks, but you know I've just sort of hung up on Ren right now. That's fair enough. Yeah, and also I guess snow tricks doesn't look great against Ren, like your noble hierarch snow tricks deck. Well, it is uh, it is better than baleful tricks though because it has flash, so you can at okay, least that's fair. That's fair. You can at least like let them use their rad and then get in and possibly equip it and crash. You know. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Have you seen I, Shifting I, Ceratops yet? Uh, I saw it. I have to read it again. I'm pretty sure I saw it. I don't think it's like it's not better than Great Sable Stag, is it? What the fuck is Great Sable Stag? Oh come on, Ian. You don't. Okay. I have no idea. Great Sable Stag. Okay, one GG three three creature beast yep. cannot be countered. Protection from blue and from black. Oh. I've registered that card. In an SCG open before. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, so the the uh, Ceratops, you can give it haste. So, like, my thing sure? with Green Sun. Oh yeah, you can. It's just okay. It's four mana. E- yeah. Protection from blue. Trample, reach, or haste. Mm, they're th- they're pretty bad abilities. But like no, the, ha- I don't... the haste is the relevant one because what always bothered me. I would get to these situations when I was playing Bant Against Miracles where I was just like, God, why can't I green sun for a haste thing? And the yeah. best option I had was Giant Solifuge. Giant Solifuge. Just awful. Like, I could not bring myself to put it in my deck. Yeah, it's like Snapcaster block. <laughs> yeah. That, that trample? That guy's trample, right? Solifuge has trample. I think it uh, Yeah, it does. It had better have trample. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that Ceratops would be that card now for me. That like you can green sun late game after a board wipe, just green sun for a haste threat and just end the game right there. Okay, if if like that's if you're looking more at the haste, yeah, then it's a huge I mana sink. We're talking yeah, about six mana, know. but it's it a is, lot of mana. It's a card but that against Tom miracles brought up. are gonna hopefully. It's a card that Tom brought up to me that I I totally missed in the spoiler. I played it a lot now. Okay, so if, okay, maybe forget Great Sable Sag. Like, how would you compare this to Thrun, for example? That's another, I think, fair oh, comparison. I, I, I've never considered Thrun, like, seriously. Yeah. No, I, Thrun, honestly, I think Thrun is, is not a good card. Okay. Or it was maybe six years ago, but it's not a good, it, it's, it hasn't been a good card in a while now. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I agree yeah, Thrun, it's actually it's like actually not a good card against Miracles, just straight up. Like Miracles in twenty nineteen does oh, not God, care about no. Thrun. Not at all. Which is funny because like it's clearly designed to be this kind of like control killer, but it's like turns out twenty nineteen Miracles could not care less about your shitty Thrun. So I think uh I think we're gonna wrap this up soon. Is there anywhere uh people can reach you? Where do you want people to contact you, man? Like what's your preferred method of uh interacting with the public? Guess you can find me on Facebook. Ooh. Uh, if you can spell my name correctly. Yeah, good luck. Well, it will be in like the show notes, right? <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the show notes, sure. <laughs> yeah. Bro, so that, so that's, wait, highlight I gotta that, ask you, copy it and paste it. I gotta ask you about the uh, the Metallica shirt, bro. Oh, well, I'm just chilling at home wearing this old Metallica t-shirt. Yep, I like Metallica. You, li- you listen to Metallica, really? So I've known you for, for five years, whatever, six years now. Uh-huh. I would have thought that you listened to mostly Mozart. Yeah, maybe. no, I do listen to a lot of Mozart. I love I love classical music. Oh, okay. So that wasn't a bad read. That's actually a very good read. <laughs> 
I used to listen to metal a lot more, but I still enjoy it every now and then. So I'm, I'm wearing a Ride the Lightning t-shirt. Yeah. I do think Ride the Lightning is Metallica's best album. I think a lot of people might disagree, but I will die on that hill. What would they say? Black album? I think a lot of people say Master of Puppets. I feel like Oh, okay. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think it, it pales in comparison to Ride the Lightning, if you ask me. Like, really? Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess I would you're surprised, them, too. I would put them on a flat plane, I would say, that Ride uh, the Lightning. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ride the Lightning is, is just much more memorable songs for me. Okay. It's, it's thrashier, I guess. Like, it's it's kind of like the bleach of Metallica, though, I feel. But uh, Is it thrashier? Yeah, maybe it is a bit thrashier. I've always thought it, it is. Yeah, it is. But it I mean, is. No, it is. Definitely is. It's from a time when there was, like, a lot of... And I'm talking completely out of my ass here, but it mm-hmm. seems like there was a lot of production improvements happening, like, every year, like, in the 80s. There was, like, yeah. a lot more post-processing being done to the music, yeah. and that was sort of, like... I'm not sure they're different musical styles, just the production was different. No, that could be a thing. Like, especially, I feel like, especially for Metallica, like, if you also compare, like, the production of, like, And Justice for All. Yeah, to, like, load. (laughs) Like, it has a very, I'm not, like, a music expert. It has, like, there's something going on in the production of that album that's, like, makes it quite distinct from, um, I think, their, their earlier albums from the 80s, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I think, and not to mention some of their their newer albums, um, <laughs> have stuff yeah. going on with that. Like the, old, with, the with same like anger, and the, the garbage can drums. Oh god, <laughs> it's obvious that they fall victim to like overproduction at times. So yeah, yeah. I think that they 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 try to be on the cutting edge. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe they're all just at the you know they're at the forefront of the production. Who knows. So yeah, man. So I learned something this episode. So if people want to find you, they can find you on Boom the Book. Uh, people are looking for me uh, at Ian eighteen one twenty five on Twitter. We have a, a Discord, we're on SoundCloud. I forget all the stuff that Tom usually says at this point. Uh, T Smiley MTG. Find the cast at FormatCast at FormatCastGmail.com. Uh, I think that's everything. Yeah. Oh, Sarah Fix, dude. You got you got a stream. Yep, S three R A P H I X, Twitch TV slash Serifix. I do stream occasionally. You can give me a follow. Um, maybe you'll happen to be on sometime when I'm on. <laughs> um, I mostly stream Legacy. I should throw that out there. Um, I guess yeah. I try stream Modern a little, but I just wasn't. You know, why? Why should I? Why would I do that <laughs> when I can <laughs> do Legacy? <laughs> I feel yeah. like that.